gentlemen, the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks. Pressure, Curly just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. We, of course, are built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. If you're going to build a dream home, as somebody mentioned to me this past weekend, that's where you want to go, the barndominiumco.com in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee. Chicken Cock Whiskey luckily was able to get us through the weekend. Uh, Gamecock football falls to Clemson, and the season is over. 16-7, to the final score at Williams-Brice Stadium on a chilly, chilly Saturday night. And uh, Carolina will now turn their attention into what they need to do to get back into bowl season and get things back on track. We'll talk about all of that today with John Whittle and, of course, with Pat DeMarco talking ball coming up here in just uh, about an hour or so with the former Gamecock. JC, JB, and Phil, glad to be with you. We hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend outside of the outcome uh, of the ball game. It was a pretty crazy, pretty crazy weekend when it came to the rivalry stuff. Clearly what happened down in Auburn and uh, places all across the country, there was almost some major upheaval at the top of the polls. So we'll get to all that. we got championship weekend coming up. Gamecock basketball's got a big week as well with Notre Dame walking in tomorrow night. But uh, clearly, uh, people want to talk about what happened now falling after winning that last year, guys. And you were hoping you could find them put together two in a row, maybe start a little streak of their own. This is once again Clemson State in football after uh, after that defensive performance by the Tigers. It was good. If you would have told me, I'll just lead it off with this, and we'll kind of get right into it. And no, nobody wants us to just, you know, toy around. If you would have told me before the game, the Gamecock defense themselves will give up three field goals, I would have said they might have not scored a lot of points, but they won. There's no doubt, and um, they did not. But the defense finished the year on a high note, and the offense once again just could not move the football. Guys, good morning. Good to see both of you. What's happening? Nice visor, JC. Yeah, it's a sand lapper outdoors. Uh, go purchase stuff from the Garnet line. It helps Carolina rise and helps a Gamecock startup. Uh, it's not 
Gamecock branded or Carolina Rise branded, so to speak, but uh, some really cool stuff if you're kind of outdoorsy and uh, like the emblem or the the logo there or whatever. And uh, now they don't have visors. He custom made this for me because my head's too big. I can't wear a hat. So uh, it's just hats and shirts. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, we'll just want to give a shout out to those guys. But but look, it's just uh, just a disappointing night. Um, you know, uh, it's been a weird year. I wrote about I wrote this on the bigspur.com. It just a a woefully inconsistent season in terms of which sides of the ball are up, which side of the ball is down. Sides, side. I'm still in Thanksgiving mode talking about sides here, but. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's just unpredictable. Injuries had a part in it. Wasn't everything. Uh, like I said, like I would JB, if you told me Clemson was not going to score an offensive touchdown in the game, I'd have been like, oh, Carolina's got this one. I mean, uh, if you'd have told me their field goal kicker would have the night he did, I'd have said you were crazy because he's been woefully inconsistent all year, and he, he looks like a Lou Groza candidate out there Sunday night, Saturday night. Um, Carolina's offense – didn't do much and there's no other way to spin it um you know i know dowell loggins is getting some heat about it and it was not his best game it was not the line's best game at all uh it was not anybody on offense's best game spencer rattler xavier leggett included um i know everybody tends to want to find one thing to blame or one person to blame it's never that easy when you have a situation like that and a game like that it's all of the above and so i just uh it was a it was a tough way to lose that one. Uh, I don't think Clemson is the team that anybody should fear, especially with their struggles on offense. Uh, Carolina's defensive kids played well. They still gave up 219 yards on the ground, but you know what? Well, I think you take that if, if you make them that one dimensional, right? And they only threw for 100 yards, um, and Carolina uh, offensively just just couldn't couldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, I, I said last week, Dabo does not mind winning ugly uh, when he does not have the horses on offense. And this was an example of how they are very They are very difficult to beat if they get up. And sure enough, first play of the game, they're up. And uh, after Spencer threw the interception on the second play, I was like, ah, this could be a long night. But Gamecocks battled back. Uh, you know, um, anyway, uh, you know, with, with – it's 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 one of those things, um, and I don't know what I'm sugarcoating here, Corey. But whatever, uh, I knew I'd hear some really lunatic comments this day, and I'm going to ignore most of them. Uh, I don't think I'm sugarcoating anything. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about Dowell Loggins? That's fine. Uh, they're not in. They're two and ten if he's not dialing up the ball plays this year. So if you take that over five and seven, that's your business. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. There was it his best night Saturday? No, no, no. I'm not absolving him for blame from it, you know, because they're just even the trick play that worked. And I know we're all attached to outcomes here when it comes to play calling. Uh, it, it's it's tough to separate it, right? Uh, that was very risky, you know. I mean, it didn't work really if it weren't for Luke Doty and a hell of an effort to get in the end zone. And hats off to him for doing it. That's that's they're stopped. So I, I'm not I'm not telling you that. You know, Dowell had this great game. I'm just saying you always look at the body of work as with anything. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, Loggins was awful just as we all predicted him to be. No, that's not true. Anybody knows football will tell you that, man. I mean, don't you're, – you're, you're equating outcomes with good play calling. 
and bad play calling. And sometimes it's just not that easy. Uh, you know, it's not so much goes into an outcome, not just a play call. This is not Xbox. This is this is real life. So, um, you know, I, I just uh, just one of the things you gotta you gotta bury it and, and move on. Unfortunately, it's gonna last all off season with no bowl, and uh, the focus needs to turn to what does this program uh, do to get better. And yeah, you know, they're not even in the game with Florida. You know, do they beat Kentucky without him mustering a drive together against that defense late? No. That's all play calling, man. And it, it look, and when the things go bad, that's not all play calling either, good or bad. You know, Vanderbilt, they didn't really do what a bunch of genius play calls in that one. They just beat them. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but uh, if you look at the at the scheme and and the and the calls and and the the, the idea, I mean, it's night and day from last year. And it's not just that he's better than Marcus Satterfield. He's actually really good. You know, and again, best play caller in the history of college football was here and got shut out, had games where he scored seven points. Uh, and most of the time it was because the offensive line stunk. <laughs> so, so I mean, I don't know where everybody's memory's at here, but, you know, think about that. You know, it's really hard to dial them up without an offensive line. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying he had a good game. Oh, there's nothing wrong with the play call on Saturday night. I'm, I'm not saying that necessarily. Everybody has an off game, bad time to pick it. But this old Dowell Loggins, everybody's wrong, right about that. That's just that's crap, man. I mean that that's just that's just being that's just taking an outcome and blaming coaching, and that's the easiest thing in the world to do. And you guys are better than that. Well, when I mean, it comes to that, you know, a lot of these people hollering for Loggins' head were hollering for you know, Coach White's head three weeks ago. <laughs> so well, you know, yeah. it's like eh, I, mean, I, I get I, it. I understand the passion and all of that, but yeah, I, I, I mean. You can't go out there and give that kind of performance without, you know, an undue amount of scrutiny. But I agree with you, JC. I mean, there's no, you know, what, okay, switch play callers from, you know, how good did Garrett Riley do Saturday? Oh, yeah. You, was jumping, that a masterful bridge plan? Right? Yeah. And, and you know why? They don't have a lot of playmakers on the perimeter. Right. And they don't, you know, they basically have their two backs and, and Cade, and they just kind of run this little option game and, and go for it. But uh, look, uh, it's just one of those things, you know, and look, uh, Bruin, I, I promise you, I promise you, um, it's, uh, it, it, it was sellers next year. Uh, they're not stupid. I mean, they're not, uh, you're not going to see the same kind of deal. You're going to see a lot of quarterback running I and mean, keep in mind where he came from, you know, I mean, don't, you can't again. It, it's not as black and white as anything. And, and please ban Shadow of Death Valley. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking at. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, this clown. It's you know, go back to your mother's basement. <laughs> um. So you know, that's uh, that, that's it. I mean, you know, and, and I and I get it. And I'm not going to sit here and staunchly defend the coaches all show, uh, because there are some coaching issues. A blind person can see that if you take the body of work the whole year. But I think those that just want to blame offensive play calling for every single thing, and, and I know after a game like that, you know what, what what's going on. But you got to look at the body of work and and got to go, um, got to go, kind of, you know, look at the complete picture, and, and then kind of, you know, South Carolina's got some roster building to do. They've got some retention to do. They got some work to do in the portal, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, I think <clears throat> a couple of things here. First of all, the last they'll be better off just continuing to play this game in the upstate because the last four games that have been played at Williams Bryce Stadium, this offense has combined for a total of two touchdowns in 16 quarters. That's the last four games Crazy. going back to 17, 19, 21, 23. Clemson has walked right in and walked right out with very little issue. And um, but I, I think that that is a that's a big way of putting this season from an offensive standpoint, in my opinion, into into one little glass box here. And I think that it, the, the word is consistency. Um, you know, they, they have been very inconsistent. And now that's that's the broad term. So you got to figure out why that is. You know, I was talking to Bill and Preston this morning, and, and, I, and I, I mentioned to those guys the 2014 team. If we go back to that 2014 team, statistically, it's the best offense in the history of the school. Now, they only won seven games that year because defensively they really, really struggled. And, of course, they, they blew three uh, 13 or 14-point leads in the fourth quarter, if we all remember Kentucky, uh, Missouri, and Tennessee that year. I think Missouri and Tennessee were both at home, and Kentucky uh, was on the road, if, if our memory serves me correctly. But but you also what you also had there um, with, with all of those points and as good as that offense was, J.C. and Phil, um, you had a – by the end of the year, by about halfway through the year, towards the end of the year, you had a two-star running back named Brandon Wilds, who was, who was the fifth-string guy. Remember, remember how thin that – talking about how thin this running back room is. Think about how thin that – they didn't have any more. That was it. Brandon Wiles was it. And so you had a two-star running back, and you had a two-star quarterback named Dylan Thompson. Of course, he'd been around a little while you know, under Coach Spurrier and had come in and won some games when Connor went down and things like that. But he was still a two-star quarterback, and you looked at how good that offense was. Well, was that all because of Coach Spurrier? Well, of course not. Largely, you could say that. He's the greatest play caller we've ever seen. But they had, they were really good up front. That's why. And and they had a bunch of playmakers on the outside that were, you know, a lot of those guys went on to the NFL, really good players. But they were all allowed to go play ball because they had five guys up front who 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 did a really good job. In the postseason here, you know, if somebody asked me, what is priority number one at South Carolina? It is getting that offensive line just back to serviceable. And, and I know that that partly it has to do with getting them healthy. And partly has to do with with growing up and you know getting guys, young talent developed and a little bit older and stronger and all those type things. Um, but I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there's some coaching stuff and trying to figure out how they fit in the scheme and all kinds of things. If if I'm in that room and nobody there's going to ask me my opinion, that's priority number one. Like let's just talk ball. Let's throw all this fire everybody out the window and all that stuff. I understand that it's an emotional time when you get beat by your rival. And when you're not going to a bowl game, people don't want to see that. And I agree with them 100%. And I feel like everybody should be emotional about it. And that's good because people care. But, like, why Why is it happening? Why is it happening? Why is it happening? And and I feel like on the offensive side, that's it. On the defensive side of the football, guess what, guys? They got to get more butt up front too, right? Uh, JC, I think you've already written about that. Um, they got to get some more rear end up there. They got to figure out why it takes some at times – uh, a little bit too long to make some adjustments. Uh, I don't know what that answer is. I'm not a coach, but I think if we go back, and I don't, I know I'm getting a little long-winded here, but if we go back about four to six weeks, guys, y'all remember when when they first started? They were really struggling on defense. 
and um, I, I'm not to I don't want I don't want this to be self-serving, but I looked in the this camera here and I and I I said I I truly truly believed it's it's not a talent issue. I felt like it wasn't a talent issue, and I mean if the last three weeks haven't proved that, I'm not really sure. <laughs> You know, like they they need to get better up front. Don't don't misunderstand. But my point was, they had enough talent to be a lot better than they were showing. And clearly, look what they've done in the last three games. Regardless of the fact of who it was, were those offensive juggernauts? Well, no, they weren't. But they still went out there and played really, really well. Got a bunch of turnovers and all those type things. And so, you know, there are things that need to be looked at, examined, and fixed in the off season. I don't think they're that far away now. Far away from what? Ten wins? Yeah, they're probably a little bit further away from that than we'd like to be. But seven wins, eight wins with a chance to maybe get one or two more, keep yourself in a game where you got a chance to do something special, they're not that far away from that. I mean, they were a couple of bad plays away from, from six wins already this year. They screwed that up in the Florida game. So they're they're not that far away. There's a few things that they need to get fixed. And then, of course, attrition is going to come. And what does that look like? But – um it's disappointing. It's disappointing. But, you know, I feel like a sensible approach to this is let's talk about the problems and what needs to be fixed. And then the that's going to figure out how to do that. Exactly. Uh, Brad, I never predicted Jordan would get a thousand yards. <laughs> I don't know where the hell you're getting that from. That's the dumb. I mean, I, I never said that. Never, ever, not once. And you can laugh all you want, Brian. You guys are part of the problem if you're going to sit here and throw crap like that in my face today. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't come at me with lies or what you think is said. This Elijah Caldwell thing, same thing. Elijah Caldwell, you can ask anybody at the program, doing really good in uh, the underwear Olympics out there with no pads on running routes. But uh, anybody that knows anything about sports knows that when you put the pads on, it's a different game. Guess what? He couldn't contribute. Tough. He's promising in the in, in out there just throwing it, right? A lot of kids are. I still remember guys when I played – and you look over there in November, and their uniform's clean because once the pads came on, they quit being good. And that, that's what happened there. Not saying he's right. never going to be good, but uh, that's what happened. So I, I never said that. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm not hearing any of that today either. Yeah, I look, I you know, and I know somebody, you know, disagrees with me about a talent issue. It wasn't on defense. I mean, was it? Were they? Were they going to be Georgia? No. I mean, I don't think anybody's expecting that, but they were certainly capable of being a lot better than they were on the defensive side of the football. I mean, all those games where they were giving up 30, 41, 41, 34, 30, like they were better than that. And and we can prove that by 16, 14, 6, and, you know, 28 in that Jacksonville State game was a nightmare and they couldn't tackle. And then what did they do? They went to something that utilized, I mean, you can say that I'm, you know, coming up with this on my own, I'm coming up with this because, and I know we got John Whittle coming up, but I'm coming up with this because, you know, I talk to guys who know a lot more than I do. And you, what did they do? They went out and got their players on the field. Now, I meant we just talked about this a little while ago, JC. You can you can have the discussion all day long, we all can, about why wasn't some of this maybe examined earlier, or maybe it was, and they were apprehensive to make a change. I, I don't know that answer. Those are the answers we need to figure out. But there, there was no way four or six weeks ago I was throwing all this on the players because they had enough players on the defensive side of the ball to be a lot better than they were. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen that. So yeah, two, two the things proof's that in the pudding. 
two things happened on defense positively. Number one, Bam Martin Scott. Uh, getting him on the field, I think, helped against the run uh, specifically and then gave Clayton White more options to to as pass rushing because uh, he loves to send his linebackers. And that's Bam Martin Scott's game. I mean, he's a good pass rusher. Uh, I think that's number one. I think number two, that allowed the secondary to tighten up. Mm-hmm. You know, the secondary tightened up a bit. And uh, Nick Emanwore started playing a whole lot better. Uh, the corners started playing a whole lot better. DK, DQ Smith, those guys, Kilgore, uh, who actually was pretty good all year. And, and I think, you know, moving to that kind of scheme helped. Uh, and yeah, Bam Martin Scott does have another year. So that's good. You get him and Debo Williams back uh, yeah. next season. And so mm-hmm. that helped. And, you know, and look, I have, I'm a little mixed as far as my personal preference as to whether South Carolina is a 3 3 5 school. Uh, I think that. When you're in the recruiting footprint you're in, in the Carolinas, you should be able to I – mean, I questioned when North Carolina did it because I was like, yep. they should be able to recruit four down every day of the week and twice on Sunday because it's D-line heaven, right? But then I also think back to Charlie Strong when he was here. And he ran this kind of defense, and guess what? It worked. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they were those were two of the best defensive teams in the history of the in – the, in the SEC era in 00 and 01. So I don't know, you know, I, I, I guess whatever, you know, uh, and it's, it's not like, I want to clarify this too. It's not like Clayton White decided, oh, we're going to re we're going to scrap what we're doing and run three, three, five. That's not, he didn't install a whole new defense. That's his package or his, his package, his defensive scheme is designed to have just like Will Muschamp's multiple downs. Uh, he just called more right. than three, three, five, you know, as, as we went along. So, you know, so we'll see, uh, See what happened, and, and welcome along, Stepper. And, and that's, it, it helped Stone Blanton too, I think, because it kept him in the box. Right, right. Yeah, and that's and that's that's what I was saying earlier. Like we, th- those are the questions that need to be answered about making changes and things like that. Those are very, absolutely worthy of being asked. And and this this football program needs to answer those questions for themselves. I don't care if they answer them to me. They need to answer those internally. Like, what do we need to do to be able to make quicker adjustments? We've talked about that all year in game. And post game adjustments. Uh, that's that's been an issue. And um, but we got to hit a timeout. John Whittle wants to join the conversation. He's been waiting patiently, so we'll 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 step aside quickly. John Whittle with the Big Spur up next here on ITG. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka, might be up for debate. We can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at comcasual.com. There's no ruling yet. That's Khalil Barnes going into the 
into the end zone. South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecocks great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call them at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soups Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. On Whittle, Johnny, I didn't expect to get that text from you right before I welcomed you on the air. But uh, John joining us here at eleven twenty-seven. Hey, buddy. Uh, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm not, I'm not CC'd on this one. <laughs> no, it's, it's the inside. You see, is just for the keeping things weird. from me. I know. I'm, I'm a little volatile today. So. I just, uh, I, I, I just, you know. John, oh, I'm just a little. I don't realize it, it was about one of the. It was about one of the advertisers. Yeah, advertisements. I have an idea. I have an idea what that was about. So that's okay. I'll, I'll leave it to you, you, you folks. I mean, I guess I could just say it. I mean, it's it would be a free promo for Campbell. Right? I mean, John's just saying he he knew somebody who had a big crush on Michael Campbell. So that's all he's saying. That's a big. Uh, yeah, I should have thought about she, the sport. She probably still does, but that's 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 fine. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it to you, baseball fellas. To, to well, I just uh, I thought you were easily going to say like you know let's uh, let's I want to talk about this or something, and I just. That just caught me off guard. So, and I've been kind of sick. I got, I caught a, whatever this crap is, literally Saturday. And um, so I've been trying not to like laugh a whole lot because my throat's been kind of hurting. But so I appreciate that, John. Thanks. Um, well, they got beat. So from your vantage point, what'd you see on Saturday? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I thought that uh and i think jc said this too i I may be wrong you can correct me i i i kind of thought this game would would be a little bit lower scoring than um you know maybe maybe the line would indicate and maybe the general thought process would would indicate you know i kind of liked um 
you know, what South Carolina had been doing on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, to not allow a touchdown was surprising to me. For it to be more of a defensive battle, um, you know, didn't really take me off guard. But, you know, I certainly thought South Carolina would be able to be more, more productive offensively. And, you know, the uh, first play of the game was certainly a good one, um, 18 yards to Leggett. And then, you know, I, I, I thought there were yards there on that little swing pass backward pass, which I, I thought it was backwards. Um, I yeah. thought it was lateral. And, uh, you know, like that ball, I, I mean, you throw that ball to get that was picked off every time. You just throw it better. I mean, I thought there were yards out there. I thought there were things open. And then all of a sudden there just weren't to to go from, um, you know, that, that touchdown drive in the first quarter to, uh, you know, what the next six or seven possessions looked like. Um, which yielded a total of, of single digit yards, or maybe it was one yard. I think it was one yard over the next either six or seven possessions in, in total. It just mind boggling to me, a- a- absolutely mind boggling. And, and uh, you know, I, I know Clemson has a good defense, but they don't have a great defense this year. Certainly nothing like what we've seen at, out of them. Yeah. They've got a couple of pretty good linebackers and their, their defensive line plays hard, but, but they've given up yards and, and scores all year. And and South Carolina just couldn't couldn't figure it out, and you know that was that's what was was most disappointing to have one of your best, uh, probably your most talented quarterback ever, and second best uh, receiving season ever in terms of yards versus receiving. Um, have those guys go out like that? Uh, really, really disappointing. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no question, John. Uh, I mean, you know, I. We've you've heard this theory already, and we've already hit it here. You know, if you would have told us that the Tigers wouldn't score a, an offensive touchdown Saturday night, well, Carolina won the game. Um, but um, but that didn't happen, you know. And so we're it really anything that happened doesn't matter anymore as as far as having a conversation about it. What what the conversation should be centered around is is what are they going to do to fix the things that they need to fix? If I asked you. What is priority number one in the offseason? What is it in your mind? Well, it's, it's, it's fixing both lines of scrimmages uh, for, for me. And, you know, those are obviously big deals. Um, you know, with the, the defensive line, I mean, you've got a nice base there. You can get everybody back. I mean, there were there were some flashes from from some guys. And, uh, you know, I thought Tonka Hemingway had a, had a fairly good back half of the season. Um, I thought TJ Sanders had a, had a really good season overall. Uh, Alex Huntley was, was okay. Um, yeah, but that just, that group as a whole just isn't nearly good enough. Uh, and there, there weren't, there didn't seem to be any guys who were like on the cusp of, of doing something great. Uh, it, it just, nothing really seemed to come together, especially at that edge position. Um, so you, you've got to upgrade talent tremendously there. I mean, offensive line, I, I mean, I think you're headed in the right direction in terms of, in terms of your recruiting and, and some of the young guys already on campus, but you got to keep them improving and, and get those guys healthy. I mean, I think injuries derailed that group as much as anything. Uh, I mean, we all thought coming into the year that, that you had some older experienced guys who, who you thought you could manage, manage your way through for a bit and, and perform well enough. And, and there were some older guys, or excuse me, some younger guys who were, who were more talented and you could kind of grow them up and throw them in when, when they were ready. Well, 
the old guys didn't perform very well. Some guys got hurt. You had to throw some freshmen in before they were ready. And, and uh, it just, it, it was just a recipe for disaster there. But I, I think in general, in terms of personnel, you're going in the right direction from that standpoint. You just got to keep, keep co- coaching them up and, and get them healthy from the defensive line standpoint. I don't know that the, uh, the direction from a personnel standpoint is anywhere close to where you need it to be. And if it's going in the right direction, because if there's nobody, no, nobody really in the recruiting uh, classes right now that you can speak of, that you can point to. Um, it, from an interior standpoint, you've got some guys on the edge who you, who you like, but from an interior standpoint, I mean, that's a struggle right there. I mean, you've got to, got to find some guys in the portal. So, um, you know, addressing both lines of images should be, should be priority 1A. I 100% agree with that. I want to lump JC into this because he's the expert on recruiting and let you two kind of hash it out. I'm just going to tee it up and step to the side, though. I We, we know what's committed from a high school standpoint uh, on the offensive line, and, and, and it, it, you can make the argument they've, they've got a top probably two or three offensive line class in, in the country right now, maybe the top tackle class, that's for sure. Um, but so a couple of things here, uh, JC, will defensive line, I mean, I know, uh, like I read what you said this when we, we talk about this all the time, but if, if you had to pick one position that is just going to absolutely get the bulk of the, of the priority, uh, to, to kind of rejuvenate it, would it be defensive line? That's, that's part A of this question and B, is it fair to say that, signing offensive linemen out of the transfer portal is probably the most difficult position to lure really good talent from? I think so. I think D-tackle to a certain extent is too, uh, and and D-end is really hard. Um, You know, Carolina was pretty fortunate to get Jordan Strawn, and I know he didn't have his best year, but, uh, you know, coming back from that type of knee injury, he certainly was – okay and and did have a really good game against Kentucky and made a difference um edge has been kind of an issue for a while uh you know I do think there's help on the way with uh, Dylan Stewart hopefully Cam Fountain uh Desmond Umiazulu is a young player that's got a lot of promise no doubt um you know you've got uh and you could get Montague Rames back out of junior college depending um so you've got some you got some light at the end of the tunnel there to tackle no and and part of it Part of it's because, you know, heck, uh, the top five, six guys on the board all went to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many D tackles they're planning on taking down there, but they took everybody Carolina liked and was in good position for. Carolina finished second on most of those guys. And that's hard, um, you know. And then the second part of it is Travian Robertson got here like in June. And recruiting nowadays, man, that's late because of the early signing period. Uh, and it's tough to go establish relationships, and it's tough to get out there and kind of find guys and, and, and things like that. So they're going to have to go in hard in the portal, you know, uh, off the tackle. Now, last year they were in on a couple. Um, and you do have – I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up. You do have guys coming back. I mean, Boogie could come back technically. Taka could come back technically. Uh, T.J. Sanders will be back, hopefully, you know. Um but uh, like you, you need some guys that uh, need some butt. You know, you need some guys, big old butt up big there. Big old guys, and yeah. you know, and if you're going to stick with a three-three-five, uh, you need a nose, uh, mm-hmm. a big nose. Now, when I, I talked about when Charlie Strong was here, he didn't really have 
the big three, 330-pound guy like you see at Alabama or Georgia uh, in the middle. I think Cleveland Pickney was the nose tackle. Langston Moore, those guys. Uh, and they were good and athletic, so it can be done. But, man, it's so much more helpful when you've got a guy inside that draws double teams every single play like a monster. Uh, and maybe this kid from Bamberg, this junior college, that's 6'7", 330, whatever, maybe he can do it. I don't know. But uh, that's got to be um, a point of emphasis. I think receiver and running back uh, on offense have to be a point of emphasis um, uh, and all that good stuff. And just want to comment on one another asinine comment. Oh, the, the O-line coach loves FCS players. Well, the one FCS player that started most of the year is probably one of your best offensive linemen. Uh, and then, no, I think he loves four- and five-star guys, too, because that's what he's recruiting. So, um, sorry uh, to PP on your parade there, man, but uh, just another wrong comment. But, look, uh, I think uh, I think that's the deal there. I think you got to, um, you know, you got to kind of uh, get some beef on the inside, John, uh, and, and – uh, Edge may have to be young for a while. Uh, if you can find a guy, great. But I don't know. You know, those guys are pretty hard to go get. Don't you Don't you think, John? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, everybody wants more pass rush. Every, everybody needs more linemen. And, you know, there's there's uh, schools out there who will pay big money for them. So it's, 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 difficult, to, it's difficult to get. I mean, he's, uh, losing Gilbert Edmond last year was – was I think a surprise to to pretty much everybody, and you know he goes to to Florida State, and you know they they obviously have a, a great NIL program going on down there, and you know you gotta gotta hold on to your guys that, that you think can be good, like a, a Desmond Umiazulu or, or or whoever else, uh, because anybody who goes into the portal from that defensive line position is gonna gonna get snapped up. Yeah, John, I, I made the comment earlier about the 2014 team. You covered that team. Uh, the offense was statistically the best ever do it at South Carolina. By the end of the year, there was a two-star running back named Brandon Wilds, and the whole year there was a two-star quarterback named Dylan Thompson. And and that, that team just ran out there and put up a bunch of points. They just couldn't stop anybody on defense. And so, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that believes everything will fall into place when, when you're just really good up front. And, and I just don't see – like, we, they're, they're, they're going to sign running backs. They might not be the caliber of running backs that fans want to see or whatever it is. But, you know, nobody even talked – when Brandon Wilds got signed here and Dylan Thompson, nobody even talked about those guys. And they ended up being integral parts of the greatest offense we've ever seen because they could block up front. So I'm just one of those guys that I'm just firmly of the belief that if you get, the, get it fixed up there – the rest of it can fall into place, especially when you got a good quarterback like they've got coming coming next year in Lenore Sellers. Yeah, and, and Sellers will be helpful in terms of his his mobility, right? Like, you know, you don't have to be as perfect um, with with Sellers uh, as your quarterback as you as you did a Dylan Thompson. So, you know, you these these guys we're talking about, a lot of these guys are still younger. Uh, your your uh, uh, Tree Babalade, Javon Brawl, Ball, uh, Marquis Anderson, the, the freshman who will be coming in. They're all they're all still young. You know, hopefully, you can bring Vershawn Lee back, who I thought had had a really good season. Um, is well, I say really good. I'm not sure anybody had a really good season when the offensive line performs the way that he it did. He had he had he had a he had a good season overall. I thought, um, but you know you. Uh, your your quarterback next year is going to have to be able to move a little bit because it's not going to be perfect next year. Uh, it's it, it's going to be a little bit better, but it, it's not going to be be perfect next year. It's going in the right direction, I feel like. So, um, you know, having having that 
having some mobility at quarterback will be helpful. But you're right, a good offensive line masks those those uh, or, 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 or can elevate can elevate good talent like a Dylan Thompson and, and a Brandon Wild. So um, I, I'm with you 100 percent on your point. Well, what John, do you think the impact yeah. of the injury is, John? I mean, you know, when we come back next year, if let's say you, you maintain what you have and you finally get these injured guys back on the field, is that are we going to be like, oh, wow, this is what they were talking about? <laughs> I mean, is that the kind of talent that we were well, lacking this year due to injury? Well, some of it maybe a little bit. I, I think it was more the revolving door and not having the continuity up front than than some of the actual injuries. I mean, obviously you 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 lose Jalen Nichols in the spring, but you had time to 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 kind of plan around that one. Um, you know, you you lose Case and Henry in the you know the what fourth snap of the season, I guess. But you know, I'm I, I I'm not I'm not real I'm not sold that he's he's the tackle of the future. To to be honest, that that's just me, and I, I may be really wrong. JC would have have a have better insight than I would, but he's been injured since he got here. And, you know, when you're injured from the basically the entire time you're here, you know, for, for two years, it's, it's hard to it's hard to count on the guy. And, you know, that guy that guy's got more braces and pads on him than than he's got weight. Um, so I, I just I, I'm I, I'm not sold on, on on that injury necessarily derailing South Carolina uh, from an offensive line standpoint. I think when you add when you. When you have that many injuries, you have that much rotation going on. You got that many guys moving positions over the course of the year. I think that hurts as as much as anything. Just having uh, so such little continuity there um, that 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 was the biggest issue for me in, in terms of injury. Um, I think Marquis Anderson would have been playing a lot, and and obviously uh, Jalen Nichols. So I'm not saying the injuries weren't weren't bad individually, but I, I think the the totality of it hurt the continuity more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, just like against Florida, they finally found something. Probably the best game the O-line played was Florida. And they finally find something with Lee out at tackle, and then, boom, he gets hurt and is out for three weeks. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, I'm not making excuses because, you know, once they got the, the – the for the last four games, they started the same five, and they still couldn't get a push in the run game or all over. I'll say this too, though. I'm not convinced all those guys up front – we're playing at a hundred percent. In fact, I know they probably were not. Uh, a lot of them. I know 100%. three of them weren't. Yeah, <laughs> but they were so, playing. But I know three so of them weren't. That's true. I mean, you know, I I I, I did that. And uh, Johnny Rambo. Nobody said we're not sitting there saying nobody should get I, fired. I never said anything about that. Neither did JB. Yep. No, no, <laughs> I've never said that. And Insane. <laughs> that that's coming up here in just a second. I I too. I mean. Look, they lost, and that at the end of the day, that's that's the point of the conversation. They got beat. Does anybody know when the last time Clemson was held without an offensive touchdown was? As I haven't, I haven't looked for it, but I'm going to check if nobody comes up with that answer before I do. That's got to have been years, right, guys? I mean, like years, years. They always score. So, I, I I can't think of anything offhand, but I would imagine it's been quite a while. Oh, I would imagine Clemson scoring an offensive touchdown. So, yeah, I don't. I I, I can't even, I couldn't even begin to uh, come up with how long that's. Pro- I mean that that just goes to show you. Like I know that there, you know, that's not that elite Tigers offense we've been seeing. Part you know mostly over the last I don't know what thirteen or fourteen years, 
but they can score. 2014, uh, sorry to inter- interject there. 2014 at Louisville was the last time hey, Clemson did not score an offensive, and, an offensive touchdown. touchdown. Okay, so it's been 10 yeah. seasons since that happened. So that's a major hat tip to to the Gamecock defense. John, Shane, we, I think if we figured out anything about Shane Beamer since he's been here, Shane Beamer works on Shane Beamer's timeline. Like it, love it, whatever, it doesn't matter. And that's how he works when it comes to making personnel decisions, either in the locker room, you know, from a team standpoint, or on the coaching staff. Um, what do you anticipate the, the timeline looking – what do you anticipate the next couple of weeks looking like? You know, I don't know if, you, if I – it's not fair to ask you if you anticipate any changes or not, um, so I'm not doing that. But do you think that those things are at least being considered and with the portal opening – in early signing period coming up based on what we know about Shane Beamer. What are we looking at here with this football program over the next, I don't know, 14, 21 days or so? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair question. I certainly think that you, that, that he's considering it, considering making some changes. Um, you know, the timing of it all is probably a little bit on a, on a case by case basis. All right. What, who, who are you trying to, uh, to hire in, in place of somebody else? And, and when can you get, get that coach. Um, you know, if, if, if it's a coach on a, on a staff who's that's been fired and, and, or, or somebody who, you know, is ready to move on and you can get it done quickly, then, then, you know, maybe, maybe you go ahead and do it. Um, you know, some of these coaches maybe don't, don't want to move before signing day from, from their own place. You know, it's, there, there's, there's some things to weigh. You can't always necessarily convince, a, uh, a a guy to to come in immediately, and a lot. Some of these teams still have conference championship games, and some want to be be a part of signing day or their bowl game or, or what have you. And you know, it may just the, the timing may not be quite to where you want, quite to where um, it happens quickly or immediately. So you know, I'm I'm certain that Shane is is evaluating some things over there. Uh, I, I, like you said, he moves very methodically. So I, I, I would be a little bit surprised if, if, uh, if, if anything happened in, in the very immediate future. Yeah. Yeah. You agree with that, JC? Well, I mean, you've yeah. got two, you got two schools with new head coaches, uh, both at A&M and at Mississippi state. So you do wonder if they're, when, when movement starts, you know, it could, as we all know, it could be a trickle down effect. So, you might have coaches moving around, not because you fired them, but because they're moving around for other, right. you know, got other things going on. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's on. absolutely a fair point. That's, that's yeah. absolutely a fair point too, is, is, um, you know, there, there's going to be guys retained guys looking for jobs and, and some folks who, uh, who, who are, who are just ready to move. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And I don't know what's going to happen, um, but you're right. Shane's going to move on his own timeline. Is that with that? Is that my preference? No. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen some heads roll today. Uh, I'm not going to get into who, but uh, you know, because that kind of takes the bandaid off and gets everybody looking for. But he's not going to do that, and he's not going to change how he does things. I mean, that's just one thing. Uh, and, and look, most most head coaches that want to be good at their they don't. They, they, and and it, there's no right or wrong answer there. I mean, the clock is not ticking on some great hire that you've got to go make or you're not going to get him or, or whatever. So uh, that's the deal there uh, with whatever. 
So, um, yeah. and we'll see. And, you know, and there's there's really no circumstance where I'm going to sit here and tell anybody, uh, despite some moronic com- you know, John Edward Kruger over here uh, acting like an idiot, uh, saying just untruthful things about the show. There's no planet where I'm going to sit here and tell you guys that there shouldn't be any coaching changes. All right, and I don't. And I don't think we all sat here and advocated for that. Uh, any of y'all? Any of y'all sitting here, sunshine and everything's hunky dory, and everybody should just stand pat and no changes after a five and seven year and a performance like that? Anybody, anybody here? Raise your hand. No, I. I, I mean, it, you know, I think that there probably will be changes, and I think there probably yeah. should be some changes. You know, based on what we've seen in its totality. Um, you know, one of the things I'll be interested to see too is what what does Arkansas do? Because I know that a lot of people in our fan base are very frustrated with Coach Loggins right now, and it's fine. But Arkansas isn't; they're very fond of him. Uh, and and Sam Pittman is what? What would y'all call this, guys? Has he been rented for one final year? This is his last call. I man. mean, I mean, you know, I watched, I watched their game against Missouri. I, John, did you catch any of that game? Very little, very little. Um, I, I, did KJ Jefferson go out in the first quarter? Did I see that? He went out. There was a fight or two. Um, Arkansas players just kind of gave up in front of our eyes. It was Missouri very, slaughtered them forty-eight yeah, fourteen. It was very. That's supposed to be a rivalry, right? It almost the red line rivalry. It, it hurt <laughs> to watch it. It hurt to watch it. I agree with you. Like the the lack of discipline. It was almost like none of us care. We're going to do. It, you know what? I'll tell you what it was. It was very similar, very similar to the fight at Clemson because it felt like, you know what I mean? We've, hey, I don't even know if my coach is going to be here another year. I'm probably going to transfer anyway. It's like there's a lot of emotion going on. Nobody really running out there in that uniform. I'm not an Arkansas guy, so I couldn't tell you that. But that's what it looked like. And so I'm anxious to see what happens in Fayetteville. Are they going to start cleaning some house here? I mean, what are they doing? And how does that affect other schools? And how does that affect South Carolina? My, my hunch would be that it would probably affect this program in some way, shape, or form. What do y'all think? Yeah, I, I think keep your eye on Arkansas and what they do. Now, do I think do I think Dowell Loggins is going to be the guy out there? I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times coaches are, if this were year two or three, maybe. But a lot of times coaches are one someplace one year and they don't really, you know, it's tough to move on after a year. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens. But, yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. And, you know, if I'm Arkansas's Hunter Juracek, I'm sitting there feeling like a fool because you, you say, okay, well, we're just going to we're gonna rally around the pit boss and, you know, and then the next game you, you have your worst game ever. Yeah. Hey, are we – are you – one of the things that Shane has been really focused on here in hiring coaches, if there is a coach that ends up needing to be hired, is hiring guys who can recruit. Uh, John, I mean, ideally you hire a guy who can recruit and develop. Uh, but if you have to err on one side or the other right now, what, what is better with where this program is three years into his tenure? It depends on the position for me. Like if, if you're a running back coach, you're you're hiring a recruiter more than more than a more than a a coach, in my opinion, I mean, offensive line, you've got to hire, you've got to hire the best coach out there, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think it, I think it depends on the position a little bit and, and your lines of scrimmage. You, you've got to be able to get guys ready to go. 
and take what you have to work with and, and squeeze every bit of blood out of that turnip that you can get uh, with, with each player. Um, so that, I mean, it's great to have a, a, a Sterling Lucas. And I'm not saying Sterling Lucas is a bad coach, bad coach, but Sterling Lucas, I think, is, is, a, is a pretty elite recruiter. And it's great to have that there at, at that edge position. Uh, but, but man, you got to have a great coach there too. You got to have a great, great coach with your tackles. You got to have a great coach at, at, uh, at your, on your offensive line. Um, so, I mean, that's, I, I don't know that uh, South Carolina is going to be looking for any, any guys at any of those positions or not, but you know, that's, that's where I'm hiring coach before recruiter. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, there. It's and a, yeah, yeah. Holtz or Muschamp made changes every single year. Johnny Rambo, by the way, Holtz changed five guys after sixty-three seventeen. Six guys, including Demote and his son. So get out of here with that crap. Yeah, John. Absolutely no sense. Before we let you run, John, uh, tomorrow night it looks like it is going to be just a fantastic crowd at the Colonial Life Arena to watch them take on Notre Dame in the ACC SEC Challenge with a chance to go 6 and 0. And if they do go 6 and 0 and you look at the schedule in the month of November, the most difficult challenge they'll have is heading up the road to Clemson, but boy, boy it sure looks manageable to have a, a really spectacular non-conference before they enter SEC play. John, some quick thoughts on the hoops guys as they get ready to get back on the floor tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. $5 tickets available as well. And, and some decent tickets still still available. Some some a few lower levels that you can get for 5 bucks. Not many of those left, but but still a few out there. Um, you know, I was looking at Ticketmaster earlier today just to get a, a sense of what the crowd would look like tomorrow night and there aren't a whole heck of a lot of tickets available. No. So, should should be a really really nice crowd, but um it's a it's a fun team to watch so far. You know, they, they've been shooting the ball really well. Um, they play tough defensively. They play hard. Um, you know, I, I really I really like what I've seen. I mean, they, they don't have a really difficult non-conference schedule overall, but Virginia Tech's not bad. Grand Canyon's not bad. Um, Notre Dame's not very good. But, but Clemson's, Clemson's pretty good. Um, you know, they, they've got, they've still got a couple of decent opponents left before the start of conference play, but you're, you're looking at having a, a really, really good non-conference record going into the start of, of non-conference play then with a couple of tests on, under your belt too. So, you know, they've responded to some challenges, uh, against Grand Canyon and, and Virginia Tech and, and come out on the right side. And, and, uh, you know, they've dispatched some, some, uh, a couple of teams very easily, and you know they they gutted out a, a win against VMI on a day when when they didn't play real well. Uh, so you know they've won in a lot of different ways so far, and and uh, should be should be a lot of fun tomorrow night at the Colonial Life Arena. Looking forward to it, no doubt. Carolina trying to stay undefeated. We'll let you run on that. Do we miss anything? Anything you need to squeeze in here? Any more? Any more former Gamecock baseball crushes we need to know about, or is that, <laughs> that enough for today? No, I, th- I think I think we've hit it all for for today. Okay, so. all right. Well, I'm sure we'll see some uh, some some good info from you tonight in the VIP room uh, with the uh, with the Big Spurs. So we'll keep our eyes on that, and uh, we'll talk next week, brother. Yeah, a lot of hoops. Some recruiting, there'll, there'll be there'll be some decent stuff in there. I bet there will be. Thanks, Thanks John, brother. Appreciate Thanks, you guys, John, John. Little, the Big Spur dot.
gmail.com. We oh, that's already in. We are out of time. Uh, but when we return, the gentleman you, you that was that was the that's like the uh, the backstage cam of college game day. Look who's coming up next. Yeah, the right. Pat, yeah. They're like the, the great Pat DeMarco will be going here on our program. We'll get into some film, and uh, we will talk about this season as a whole. Uh, more than qualified to give his opinion, and we're glad to have him as we always do. Hang tight. We're built by the Barn Doco. That's the game concentration. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. It's time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network.
All right, hour two. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show, always live from the Sinorama Studios. Thanks to our friends at Gamecock Traditions for keeping us warm this weekend. It was chilly out there at Williams Bryce on Saturday evening. Gamecock Traditions is a one stop shop this holiday season. You can find them easily right on the Chief Sports app and order it online and have it delivered to your doorstep, even if you're not in the uh, Lexington or Columbia area. That's uh, if you're a Carolina fan and you need something with that logo on it. You're going to want to shop there. GamecockTraditions.com. Pat, it was a packed house on Saturday evening. Williams Bryce was at its best. Oh, it, it always is, especially for this matchup. Um, no, it was it was loud and rowdy, and me and my son Weston did our part. Uh, like I said, one of his buddies joined us, and uh, it was rocking for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, everybody did their part, and um, and then ultimately, it just they just couldn't get enough points on the board. Uh, Pat, we've got plenty of video. We'll get to here in just a little while, but we'll just big picture here. I mean, you know this program inside and out as well as anybody who's ever known this program. Uh, when you go back to week one, and now we're through week twelve, um, they finished at five and seven. You know, how would you describe the twenty three football season? Uh, I mean, a lot of ebbs and flows. Uh, just kind of like most football seasons, a lot of uh, adversity came our way with injuries um, and just, you know, played good some games, bad some games. Um, you know, probably four or five plays every game were the deciding factors of some of the close ones. Uh, I mean, definitely this one. But, yeah, I mean, just ups and downs, a typical battle. And, um, you know, just we weren't able to overcome adversity at times. Um you know, but we had a lot of young guys play, so I, mean, I think the future is bright, and you kind of see where some of the stars do align. Um, obviously, that doesn't really help us in our situation here, five and seven missing a bowl game. But um, you do know that the future is ahead of us, and you know, it looks like the recruiting class moving forward next year should be a, another really good class with a lot of key players that'll that'll definitely help us out. And then you know, who knows what's going to happen with the portal, bringing guys in, losing guys. It's going to be a a hodgepodge. I know Beamer and Beamer and Co. have done a really good job of developing relationships with our guys in the building now. Uh, I mean, watching some of those press conferences post games goes to show you the relationships and the love that is shared in that building. Um, so I think that'll carry some weight um, moving forward. But yeah, I mean, going into the season, you you know, I think the height was eight and four. Like that's kind of what we wanted to, because that's what we had a taste of last year. Uh, obviously, week one came up short to a good North Carolina team um, and then, you know, didn't play great against Furman, but but won um, and then played really good the first half against Georgia. Ended up falling a little short and just, yeah, I mean, just honestly peaks and valleys um, towards the end there. I mean, you hated our, our worst six quarters of offense were our last six quarters of offense yeah. Um, yeah. of the season. Um but our best eight quarters of defense were our last eight quarters. So, um, I mean, like I said, we never played a complete three-phase game where we played, we're at our best for four quarters in all three phases, um, which, you know, we were able to do that to finish the season last year. Um, weren't able to put that together at, at any point this year. But, you know, they're going to – the coaches and the players are going to work their tails off. The support staff's going to work their tails off uh, this offseason, continue recruiting, continue working. Um, but I, I feel like you definitely felt the trajectory of the program, those press conferences, watching the seniors leave, uh, you know, leave Willie B for the last time and the love they have for this place and the love that the coaches have for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully I was 
kind of around everywhere, but hopefully I kind of got to what you were trying to get. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there that I've jotted down. I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with you about a few of those things. All right. So number one though, let, let's, let's go to this. Let's go to uh, 2007. It was your freshman year in the program. Yeah. Started off six and one, number six in the country, lost five straight, finished six and six yeah. and missed a bowl game. What was that off season like? And it, 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 that you remember as a player and, and obviously you're really close with coach Spurrier, you know, yeah. when, when you're, when you're, they felt like Oh five, Oh six, they had won. They, they had gone to the postseason. They had won a bowl game. They had beaten Clemson. Okay. We're, we're on a good trajectory. Take a step back in, in year three. So walk us through what happened back in and, and how a staff can overcome something like that. By the way, Shane was on that staff as well. Yeah, I think it um yeah, it was I mean extremely disappointing. Um I mean, we were six and one and had only lost to LSU. We were six in the country and lose to Vanderbilt. Uh, and that's kind of yeah. where where it all yeah. started. And then it just kind of went downhill in a in a very, very quick spiral. Uh, I mean, nothing I wouldn't say anything really changed within the team. There wasn't any animosity or any real conflict. It was just a couple bad instances, um, you know, didn't make plays when plays were there. Um, then it played a tough schedule to finish the season that year too. But uh, yeah, I mean, losing to Clemson that last game and going six and six and not making a bowl game left a really, really crappy taste in our mouths. Um, and obviously I was just a freshman. I was a baby, but the older guys in the building um, in the program definitely took it upon themselves and grabbed some of us young guys and grabbed us by the, by the collar. And we're like, Hey, this, this crap isn't happening again. We're going to turn this thing around. Um, we're going to have the best off season we've ever had. Um, you know, we're going to excel in the classroom in the meeting rooms in the weight room on the practice field. Like this is never going to happen again. And, and sure enough, we made a bowl game my last uh, three years. Um, I think we went seven and five, seven and five, eight and four, nine and three, I think it was last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it can be a long off season when you have um, some adversity hit and not really rebound. So I think um, the best way we addressed it early and often, the older guys, the leaders that were coming back, um, just like I know Coach Beamer is going to do with the staff now uh, and the leadership that they have now, it's going to be something that they're going to get shaked out early uh, because you don't want it to linger and loom and too much chatter uh, in the locker room and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I've, I've probably said this a couple times in this thing, but Dan Quinn, who one of my all-time favorite coaches, we had three rules. One was be early, so five minutes early was on time. Um, number two was protect the team, so don't do anything to put the team in jeopardy. And three was ignore the noise. So ignore all the BS outside noise. What matters is what's in the building, the guys to your left, the guys to your right, and the, and the staff that you're working with day in and day out. Um, and you know, I, honestly, I, I think that those three rules kind of cover everything that's going to happen this entire offseason from a professional standpoint, being early, um, protecting the team. Don't put don't put anybody in your teammates, any of your brothers, uh, any of your leaders in jeopardy um, and then ignore the noise. Put your head down and just go to work because it's it's I think this team is going to be much more improved in the weight room, um, in the meeting rooms and on the practice field. Uh, but I think the first. The, the the first key to that is in the weight room. And that's having a heck of a heck of a uh, segment of winter workouts, getting bigger, bigger, stronger, and faster, more explosive, and then it leads into spring ball. Spring ball leads into summer workouts. Summer workouts leads into camp. So 
really got to start with phase one. And that's going to be the winter workouts and, and going in there and, and getting as big, strong and fast as possible. Because, um, I mean, honestly, Clemson was better in all three of those phases than us on Saturday. Um, and that can't happen. So that's going to really start in the weight room and it's got to be ticked. I uh, got to be picked up with uh, Coach Day and Coach Morton and, and, and staff in there. And they, they got to really get after and hold our guys accountable. Don't let them slack in, 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 at all. Pat, you've been around football a lot. All right, so this is the question I get a lot. People blame the strength staff for injuries. Your thoughts on that in general? My, my thought is there's been three different strength staffs here the past 10 years, and injuries have taken place no matter who has been in charge of that. But you know more yep. than me. You've lived it. Uh, can a strength and conditioning program impact injuries uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in the way that can. maybe people are thinking? Maybe people, yeah, I mean, yeah. there just obviously the oddball freak accidents, you know, tearing neck. You can strengthen your knees, you can strengthen your tendons, you can strengthen the ligaments, you can strengthen the muscle tissue around your joints and stuff like that. But freak things are going to happen. You you know, you pop an Achilles, you tear an ACL, you break an arm, you know, fracture a bone in your foot. That's stuff that you can't really control. Um, but the soft tissue issue, soft tissue injuries are definitely things that that can be fixed. Those are, um, you know, hamstrings, the groin strains, um, you know, maybe popping your shoulder out of place, different things like that that can be um, developed and protected and manipulated. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's definitely things in the weight room that can help with injury prevention, but there's also the freak stuff. Like it's probably a 15 to 20% um, I mean, this is was zero research behind it, but I would say like a 15 to 20 percent improvement you can get in the weight room when it comes to those injury things. And, 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 I, and I know that Coach Day and that staff do a good job. And so does Clint Haggard and the training staff. Like they're in there and they're working and they're pushing the guys to get extra work in because you're only allowed. What is it? The eight hour rule or four hour rule, whatever the rule is. But you're only allowed to be in a building for so much. Um, governed and ex- having expectations of what you're supposed to do. Now you can go above and beyond yourself, and that's really what they're pushing to do. And I think that's when you really get a true, uh, true, really good team and a good professional team is a team that's going to go above and beyond on their own, not having, you know, coaches and people poking at them and telling them what to do. I mean, it's pretty similar. I mean, I've talked about my son Weston, who's seven, but, you know, he has dreams of playing for the Gamecocks and he has dreams of playing, he wants to play major league baseball and in the NFL at the same time. And I'm like, buddy, not many people have done that, but I'm going to hold you to it. And if you really want to do it, then you're going to have to do some work without daddy pushing you to do it because I kind of challenged him to do 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, 10 jump squats every morning, first thing in the morning. Um, and for the first two weeks, I was like, did you do workout yet? He's like, Oh no, I forgot. And then I stopped asking him. He's like, Daddy, why aren't you asking me if I'm doing my work anymore? I'm like, because you're going to be accountable to yourself. Like, if you want to become a superstar like you want to be, Daddy's not going to be the one that's going to have to push you. Like, if you want to get that far, you're going to have to – it's going to have to be self-motivation, um, internal, internally motivated. And and sure enough, I look at his little Nest camera every morning now, and he's doing push-ups, sit-ups, and jump squats. So, so it All works. Right. Yeah. All right, so he's a, he's a twenty thirty guy. JC, go ahead and get him in the top two four seven. Go ahead and give him a good star rating. Yeah, we can we follow along with his recruitment. Get him there. Yeah, he's going to be a heck of a long snapper, guys. Hey, <laughs> you know what? Long snappers they get their school paid for too, Pat. You know that. Um, <laughs> I, I think on the injury front, I think it, I, I think I think more than anything, it's a depth issue. That's just my personal opinion on this. I mean, 
we, we, we've seen tremendous, I mean, that offensive line thing, that does not happen every year. We know that because we watch this team play every year and every other team out there. That was a freak type situation. But, you know, at times in the past, we've had major issues and they had enough depth and quality coaching to be able to get them through it. I mean, I, again, I just use this example. It's the third time I've already done it today. The 2014 team, you weren't on that team, Pat, but we were down to Brandon Wilds yeah. as the running back, a two-star running back out of Blythewood, and Dylan Thompson was a two-star quarterback, and it was the best offense in the history of the program. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have if you have depth, yes, you'll have bang-ups, but nobody, but the but the injuries don't become the conversation because the depth overcomes that, well, and, I, and they're just I, not there. What you're you saying this, what it, what it really comes down to is how you're wired in your head and, and that's your mentality. And, and, and just cause I know Brandon Wiles and I know Dylan Thompson, I know some of those under recruited players, the Sherrod go lightlies, the Jimmy Legrees, the guys that were not very highly talented recruits that came in here just like myself. And were like, screw the stars, screw the recruiting rankings. I'm going to show you why I deserve to be wearing this block C, why I deserve to be playing at williams Bryce Stadium. Um, I mean, so I think it all comes down to kind of the mentality. Um, I, have, I mean, I, I've been pondering this question the last, like, three weeks, and maybe you guys can shed some light on it for me. But week one, we started um, Sidney Fugar and um, who's the other left tackle, Hickson, or who's the? No, we week one left tackle? It was Fugar yeah, and Cason Henry. Cason Henry was in there yeah, for like four plays. Yeah, <laughs> and he went down. And then the next kid was who? Who was the other transfer that played? Oh, uh, the kid from Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackson Hughes. Jackson Hughes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got hurt. I mean, yeah. how? I mean, when he was done for the. He got hurt and he's done for the year. Pretty same much. Fugar, or did Fugar yeah. just uh, never Fugar got back? back. Now, Fugar just wasn't very good. Yeah. He, yeah, he didn't get hurt. He wasn't. Yeah, but good. I mean, how you go through an entire spring, an entire training camp, and granted, I know there were injuries, and maybe the freshmen weren't quite ready. But I mean, I just, it's just kind of, I don't know, just kind of frustrating that you go through all training camp and all summer and all, and, and you have guys play in the first game, and then you look back week 12, and you're kind of like, where in the heck are these guys? Like, how did they fool us into thinking that they were good enough to play week one, but they weren't good enough to play week 12? Usually you're supposed to continually get better like our freshmen did. Um, and these guys just kind of fell off the map, which was, you know, unfortunate. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously I don't have the answer. If you don't have it, I sure as heck don't have it. No. Um, you know, I mean, it, it but it's – like from that standpoint, you know, and that's kind of leading me into where we're we're going with this. Like you mentioned, the offense. Um, so finally, for the last the, the last six quarters of the season, pretty much being the worst six quarters of the season from a from an output standpoint. Um, but they did have the same group of offensive linemen in there for all four of those games, Pat. The you know these last four games, it was the same starting five every week and then the last six quarters they just they just could not get it going what would you attribute that to yeah i mean seven and 17 can only take you so far um and i think that's eventually what it comes down to I mean, those guys for, for a 12 game season played their tails off um and super proud that you know they were on the skincock football team and 
Lord knows where we'd be if we didn't have them. They didn't play to the to the levels we played at all year. Um, so I mean, I guess we many ran out of gas, but you you, you got to have a supporting supporting cast too. Like your your top tier talent can only take you so far. Um, you know, it's I, I think I was looking at the stats. I mean, they really get at twelve hundred yards receiving. The next closest player was Trey Knox at three twelve. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I don't think. Did we, uh, did maybe we had, maybe every other receiver had a total of 1200 yards. If you combine all their numbers, I mean, I'm just shooting off the hip. Maybe they had, I guess Spencer had 3000 yards. So they had five or 600 more yards than Xavier Leggett had the rest of the receiving, the rest of the guys that touched the football, the receiver room, running back room, tight end room. Um, I mean, that's just tough. Like you, you don't have, as much of a supporting cast and no other playmakers to really go out there and extend the game and, 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 and make huge plays. I mean, Xavier Leggett, seven touchdowns. I mean, shoot, probably 40 explosive plays, maybe more than that. Uh, I mean, Mario Anderson finished with 700 yards, average almost five yards a carry, but where was he the last, I mean, six quarters, it's, just, it's complimentary football. So it's being able to run the ball and being able to t- take the top off too. Um, which we just weren't able to do the last six quarters. And, you know, I thought the first quarter and a half against Kentucky, the offense was clicking. And Spencer did a really good job of extending plays with his legs. Uh, and then him and Xavier had, I mean, those are the two names that keep jumping off my lips. Um, but, I mean, without those guys, this would have been a really, really long year. Um, and, you know, thankfully they played at a high level and, and they're going to go on to the next level and play, to, play at a high level, level as well. I, I tweeted it out. I think it was the third or fourth quarter. Xavier Leggett had two catches on the drive, and sure enough, he's the guy that makes the makes the tackle on punt coverage. Um, so it's you're sitting there and you're like, this guy's going to play on Sundays and he's going to play for a while on Sundays and he's going to make he's going to make a team not only because he had 1,200 yards receiving, but because he's very unselfish and he's a heck of a team player, um, heck of a leader. I mean, when he speaks, guys listen. He reminds me of Julio from that stance. Um, so it's nice to be compared to Julio Jones. I yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, he's he has that he has that explosive trait. He has the size, speed. I remember talking to NFL scouts two years ago before Xavier Leggett was really on the map. I was like, some of the guys you're asking about are good players, but one of them looks a little different. Look at 17. That's how an NFL receiver that I know is supposed to look. And they're like, yeah, but what has he done? I'm like, not much yet, but. Just wait when he gets a shot, and sure enough, and then I mean I say that and that teased me into like Bam Martin Scott, like holy yep. smokes, that's where we were going. Yep, absolutely. He had he that's... averaged what seven or eight tackles a game the last three games. Was, was he was he was he the difference in your eyes? He's like the the defense has been sensational the last three weeks. Was he the difference? Well, I mean I think the scheme and I think kind of giving auxiliary looks instead of lining up in a base four three and knowing exactly what what you're going to get every time. I think what they did with the stemming and movement and the different fronts and moving people around. I, th- I think that caused confusion. Um, you know, I mean, thankfully we were able to do that. Debo Williams played at an incredible level this year. Um, but I mean, I, I honestly, Bam, from when he got here as a freshman, like watching one-on-one pass rush, like he just moved different. He had, he was explosive. He had kind of a wiggle. He had kind of what a NFL linebacker has those traits were his movement skills, his ball skills, um, his quick twitch muscle fibers. Like he just, he was a little different. I mean, 
he played the last four games and he had 40 tackles. Um, Just amazing. 40 tackles, two sacks, pass defended. I mean, and he wasn't on the field before that. What, were, what, were, what would have those numbers been if we would have, if he would have been our Will or Mike? I mean, if you have Debo and him playing in there in the middle all year, and then you sprinkle in, obviously, like not taking anything away, Stone and Pup, and those guys had decent years too. But if your two staples are those two, and then you give them blows with the other guys, I don't know. Um, I, I was just excited to see him and him have a good year because he's a great kid, a great young man um, who works his tail off. And and when he got his time to shine, he, he sure enough did. All, yeah, they, they have him back next year. He's got another year or two. So that's and all, all those guys are back next year. Every mm-hmm. one of them that you yeah. just yep. mentioned returns next year. I, you know, I, I, I said this earlier. I, six weeks ago, people were bagging on the defense, and and you know, my personal opinion on that, Pat, and you and I've talked about this was, I did not think it was a personnel issue. I thought there was enough talent over there to be better than what they were showing. I'm not saying mm-hmm. they were going to go be Georgia or Alabama or. Michigan or Ohio State, but I mean, what they were showing two, you had two All Americans at safety. You had a returning yeah. corner that had played a bunch of football. OD is in his fourth or fifth year. He's he's been around. He might not have played a bunch, but he's been around. I mean, Torian Gray is an incredible developer of players. Jalen Kilgore, freshman, comes in and plays at an extremely high level all year. Uh, you know, Jordan Strong has been banged up, but he's played at a high level at times. Um, you know, like yeah, you lost Zach Pickens, but Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway. TJ Sanders, you had guys inside. I mean, I agree with you. I don't like other than the edge position, which you just didn't. You had upper talent, but you didn't have rotational guys. You didn't have enough bodies at that position to keep them fresh. But yeah, I mean, you, you had the, you yeah, definitely saw the talent there. And I don't think we're losing too many guys on the defense, which which would be an uptick. Um, I'm going to pivot just because I'll, I'll forget if I don't ask this question. But is it pretty standard for? Like Mario Anderson walked on Saturday. Like, mm-hmm. like it, he's coming back, right? I, I would think. I, I don't think he. I mean, seven hundred yards. I mean, I'd say that's like I, the plan. I just wonder I why, why why walk um, if you're probably coming back. Well, I my understanding of all this, and, and again, you could probably confirm it a little bit easier than than I could. But uh, they encourage those who may for for some reason not play again even if it's just a teeny tiny chance okay they encourage him to go ahead and walk and get that round of applause from 75 80 thousand okay. people that makes sense. my understanding I mean, yeah. is he's probably coming back talking yeah, i mean I, I, would, I would if i if if he were to ever reach out to me i would um encourage him that he probably needs to um from a from a growth development standpoint i mean we definitely saw some really good flashes of what could be um but I would say if he were to leave, he'd probably be a you know a late round pick to an undrafted guy, and I think he could definitely help himself coming back and and, and getting some more snaps. He's going to be a father here soon as well. Yeah, uh, in about a awesome. month, as a matter of fact, uh, the greatest gift in life being dad, especially yeah. in the holidays. Pat, as we're all going broke now for the next four weeks. Yeah, um, we took advantage of Black Friday and what is today's <laughs> uh, Cyber Monday or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. Of emails I've received, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got plenty. I'm not buying from you. I'm not buy oh, I guess I will buy that. All right. Um I can deal with that. That's right. That's right. Um we'll go to the video here too. Uh and, and you know, Pat obviously clearly not a bunch to be fired up about uh from the game the other night, but early in the ball game, you did feel like <clears throat> you did feel like 
when at, when they were holding them to field goals, this is the play here that that uh, Leggett dropped. But when they were holding them to field goals, it was like, okay, keep holding them to field goals. We'll score at some point. Of course, that never happened. But um, but uh, this first play, this swing pass out here that was ruled a fumble. It was a fumble, and it was returned. Just a really unfortunate way to start the game. Yeah, I mean, take it out of the ref's hands. Um, I mean, and obviously, like you can see Xavier kind of peak that safety running a million miles an hour. I mean, and AB actually does a decent job of actually adjusting to this. Um, it's just like if Xavier get you can see him, he peaks that safety running right at him. If AB were to just pick him off, I mean, Xavier's one-on-one with 36, and who knows what happens there, but this is one where you don't know if it's forward, backwards, in between your legs, whatever it is. But you, you just like this is this is something that has coached so hard in the NFL. I mean, to a you're running laps if a ball's thrown relatively backwards, sideways. If there's any chance, this ball's got to be jumped on. Um, and obviously, I know the guy's grabbing on Xavier Leggett's leg. And yeah, that wasn't called, was it? it? That's but, holding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can't yeah. just pull someone by the ankles. You know, that yeah. is holding. They missed that call, clearly. But, but I mean, this is one that you have to, in some way, shape, or form, just get on the ball or at least get the guy down. Um, and I don't know. It's It just stinks. He took his eye off the ball. This, this happened to me when I was in Atlanta. I would have scored. We would have had one more touchdown on the board if I wouldn't have taken my eye off the ball and, and looked upfield. Um, What's Amari and Brown doing on that play? So AB is blocking MDM, most dangerous man here. And I mean, obviously it looks like man coverage and he's, you know, he's going to stock block, I believe it's 36. Um, yeah. And then the safety the triggers. Um, so he's, I mean, he, he's got to get a piece of this guy. Um, yeah. He just sees it a, a tad late um, because like I said, if he were to just get a piece of him, I mean, and Xavier doesn't get distracted by that color, he might be off for the races one-on-one with, um, with that, that guy that's covering the nickel right now. Mm-hmm. This interception thrown here by by Spencer, it's it, it, oh okay yeah. The, the next play here, the the interception thrown by Rattler deep to Leggett Pat. Uh, so you got a couple you got a couple things going on here. Number one, I felt like the ball was underthrown a little bit, but number two, both Leggett and Amari and Brown are kind of in the same area there. And Amari and Brown, you can tell after the ball was picked off, you could tell Amari and Brown was like, "Hey, I was open." Uh, yeah. as you, as you'll see him kind of let it fly here. Yeah, I mean, this, um, I mean, you guys ever play the wow. number of the game NFL Blitz when we were all kids? This is like that dub on play where everybody runs verticals. You have kind of the quick seam, and then you have the cover two bender post in the middle of the field by one, two, and three. I mean, honestly, it's, it's like the exact picture of the bomb from NFL Blitz. But yeah, I mean, AB actually beats the backside corner. Uh, so oh Spencer has AB. And then the safety that's in the middle of the field is kind of in no man's land trying to cover both. And Spencer just kind of threw it up there and, and gave, gave the defensive guy a chance to get on the ball. I mean, it was two turnovers. I think I heard it was in 14 seconds. Um, it might have been um, the fastest two turnovers in the history of college sports. Um, Happened quick. But Two of the first you know, three plays. But, I mean, you got to think, like, yeah, there's a lot of football after these two plays where we didn't make up for it. So yeah, it stinks, and it's not not a good way to start. And I mean, but I will say, Williams Price was still rocking even after Doomsday, the first 26 seconds of, of the football game. Williams Price and the fans in that stadium did not let up the entire game. Um, we were loud and proud, um, but 
unfortunate. And here we go. I mean, this was this this play is dead in the rights. I mean, thank goodness Luke Doty just has a little wiggle to him and makes a play. And um, obviously, you can tell he's been in the backfield and scrambled for his life before at times because he is dead in the rights here. This is a version of Philly special. Um, we're, we're holding and there. It is covered like a blanket. Um, and Luke Doty just kind of makes a play and finds a soft spot in the zone and just kind of, it's just a gritty touchdown right there. Uh, this is uh, an unbelievable interception by Nick Emailwari. I mean, he's, he showed up the last two games. Holy smokes. Um, best two games I think he's played all year. Um, what a and, play. And in a big way, I actually texted him after the um, – after the Kentucky game, and I was like, dude, I felt your presence in the stands. I felt the physicality you played with, and he immediately texted me back, and he said, you know it, Coach. I, I love wearing garnet and black, and I'm going to play hard as heck every chance I get for our fans, um, which I thought was, I mean, for a 19- or 20-year-old kid to be able to process that and and, and speak on it was pretty impressive. But this is a, is a great – it's a one-on-one. This is a 50-50 ball that every offensive, offensive coach says, hey, Give your player a chance to make the play, 50-50 ball, have him go up and get it. Um, but we, I would say, having Nick Minore, it was more of a 60-40 chance for the for the Gamecocks over the Tigers in this one-on-one play. I mean, a one-handed catch. Where's the offensive pass interference there? Um, no kidding. And he still comes up with the ball. Um, and a huge play because that could have been a big, big turning point, um, them going up two scores um, right there. That's an NFL play there, Pat. I mean, yep. it was just a special, special play from an All-American. I know it didn't start the way he wanted it to this year, but uh, it sure did finish that way. Rattler here, this is an important series. 12 yep. minutes to go. You're down nine. got to score. They're moving the ball, and then they stall out in third and ten, as you'll see here in just a minute. They just, just yeah. could not I mean, get it going. This um, There's kind of a recurring theme on the good plays that we have here. Um, we get it to somebody. Um, number 17. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just thinks when, when you, when you don't have other weapons to go out there and, and, and take the burden off of one or two guys, I mean, you have to be able to spread the ball around. You have to keep defenses honest. You have to be able to exploit from, from multiple spots. And, and we weren't able to do that this year. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, Xavier Leggett, holy smokes. I mean, Love the young man. Love everything he's about. Um, played at an extremely high level. I mean, and, and and he worked it too. He, you know, his his career in Garnet and Black wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. Um, there was a lot of points where I'm sure he was extremely frustrated, got not getting snaps. Um, but I mean, you date back to two years ago when his number was called, making the big catch against Vandy to win the game for us last year. Texas A&M so starting that game off with a bang. Uh, and then the bowl game last year, I mean, I think that's when he really, really, really blossomed where he finally got his chance and he went out there and I think he like caught a sigh of relief and he's like, shoot, man, I can do this. Um, kind of like his welcome to the NFL moment, um, but welcome to the SEC moment. Um, it's, I mean, I mean, I had that honestly, my, my very first, very first preseason game in the NFL, I hit uh, somebody was running down on kickoff and I hit somebody and I was like, okay hit feels the same. They fall down the same. All right. I can do this. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, we just, I mean, all in all, we just, we didn't have the weapons offensively this year to be able to help support um, Xavier and Spencer to elite talents, to the best to, 
probably wear Garn and Black at those positions. Um, and, you know, but we, we have, uh, I think I, was it, has it been announced? I, I saw Juice post something about he's coming back. Um, so, I mean, you get, you get Juice back, who would have been a big asset for this year. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to play due to injury. Um, and then obviously Lenore Sellers has shown some really, really uh, good sparks and highlight plays for us so far um, in his short career. Um, very limited play, but I mean, it's looking pretty good um, for what, what the, what the potential is with him and, and some other guys. So we just need to continue loading the roster up with support. It's some supporting staff, but we have the, what is it? The great wall of Carolina coming in with the, <laughs> the uh, with the prospects, the in-state um, offensive line. Um, and if we can add, you know, another tight end, another receiver or two, maybe a back just to help with the supporting staff, it um, could line up to be a really fun 24. Yeah. Josh Simon could be returning. Uh, I'll ask you real quick too. I know you got to run, but, uh, Nick Harbor, uh, you, I feel like from day one until day whatever this was this past weekend, you saw some development there. Clearly, he's yeah. got a little bit of a ways to go. But y- your thoughts on him? He's got he's got elite talent. There's no doubt. That, but learning that position, it's going to be a critical offseason to watch him continue to grow up. Well, he's going to be he's going to be taught by Justin Step, who's an incredible human being, um, who's going to pour into him not just on the football field but off the football field as well. So. I'm really excited to see his development. I mean, you got to think he was the, what, number 30 or 40 prospect in the country. I mean, going into DMV and being probably the number one player in that area to come down here. So there's a lot of hype. Um, and, and you got to grow up really quick in this day and age of college football. Um, and he came in and there's a lot of hype behind him. And, and I would say he probably didn't live up to it from a statistical standpoint this year. Uh, probably what fans and, and staff thought he was going to do, but that just, I mean, it just leads into, like I said, a really good offseason. So winter workouts, Nick Harbor, have your best. This is your first winter workout segment, but have this be your best winter workouts and lead into your best spring ball and lead into incredible summer workouts. Have a kick butt fall camp and then into year two. Um, so big development stage, I think, for the entire program. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that starts off with, with the strength staff and, and you know, I think they're probably going to get some workouts and not not getting a bowl game. So you get a little kickstart and you get some, get some true winter workouts during exams. And that leads into January. Um, I've been there. Uh, my freshman year, we didn't make a bowl game. Those were extra workouts, extra time with Mark Smith and Brian Gordermaker and the strength staff that used to absolutely crush us back then. So I know Luke Day and, and co are going to be doing the same to our guys now. Pat, we cannot thank you enough. I, I know, uh, you had a wonderful weekend with your family for Thanksgiving and uh, certainly didn't end it in the way we wanted it all to. There's no doubt about that, but um, we will, uh, we've concluded football season. You've been excellent uh, and we really cannot thank you enough. We'll probably try to sneak you back in here in the next week or two uh, as, as things start to, you know, you got this portal stuff, you got a lot of stuff coming up here. It's going to be a critical next few weeks for Gamecock football. So we would love to have you back in for, one last round of analysis before we all take a break for Christmas. But uh, yeah. really, you've been a friend for a long time, which I'm, I'm most honored to say. But at the end of the day, man, you make us a lot better around here. And we really can't thank you enough for what you do. Well, I'm, I'm not a message board guy, and, and I kind of live to um, DQ standard of ignore the noise. So of all the rumblings, I'll get my news from you guys uh, <laughs> on here. So you guys fill me in on what's going on with the portal and recruiting and yada, yada, yada. I um, 
I, I'm worried about uh, Weston has flag football practice here on Wednesday, so I'm trying to drop a few new ball plays for the for the six and seven year olds. Um, we're we're I, I have to remind myself the kiss the kiss uh, the kiss system. Keep it simple, stupid. It's about championship time, isn't it? Shouldn't you got like it's less uh, late we, for flag? We are. This is. I think it's a seven game season. We're in week five. Um, we haven't had too much competition yet. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it is hard for me to allocate touches. I think um, one of the boys has only had three touches this year, and he scored two touchdowns. Um, it's it's been. It's I, I, I need I should tell my wife to bring a pad and paper just to like tally who's touched the ball, who scored, who hasn't scored because I don't want any of the parents getting mad at me because That's Timmy loaded. didn't score. Well, Timmy, Timmy scored twice last game. Give Timmy a break. You loaded man. That's a loaded <laughs> team. So well, congratulations, Pat. Certainly, uh, to, I'm going to what JB my, says. My YMCA flag football trophy. You put that back. Yeah, I want to see that back on the shelf when, 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 when we get, get you back home, man. That'll be great. But thank right, you, yeah. JB. We really appreciate the whole thing. Yeah, yeah we, we appreciate you being on, man. It's always great to hear from you. No, I, I, I've really enjoyed it, um, chopping it up with you guys. And, um, you know, I love I love Carolina football. I love Garnet and Black. I love what Coach Beamer's doing. Um, and, and honestly, I really enjoyed my two times work, two years working in there and getting and develop relationships with the players and the coaches. Um, it is a. It is really hard to win in the SEC. It's really hard to win in the NFL. Uh, there's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just put your head down, work, put your best foot forward. And I think that's what uh, that's what this staff is going to do. That's what the players are going to do. Um, and yeah, I think if they listen to DQ's three rules, this would be a really productive off season. And I think they'll be better come 2024. Well, I, I, uh, I hope it's a great offseason for the Gamecocks, and the next couple of weeks we'll, we'll we'll start to find out what it's going to look like as the portal opens and things like that. Boy, it's a it's a different world from when you played, uh, Pat. But um, yeah, yeah. Is, uh, as as much of the cool stuff and making money and, and transferring and jumping ship as, as many of the opportunities that are out there, man, I would not give up my experience and and. Signing on the dotted line, my letter of intent to play here in South Carolina and staying here all four years and never even blinking an eye leaving this place because it meant so much to me and always will. The relationships and the people I met here have, have changed my life for the better. Um, so with with all the with the new era of college football, man, it can uh, it can definitely make you think twice and make some really hard decisions just emotionally. Um, and I, I don't I don't envy having to go through that now at 18, 19, 20 years old, it's, I'm sure it's a big burden on these, on these guys. Boy, you, I think that's the understatement of the, uh, of the day. There's, there's no question. Thank you, man. Really do appreciate it. I'll, I'll hit you up a little bit later on and, and, uh, all the best to you, uh, you and your family. We'll get you back on here in the next couple of weeks and, uh, and, uh, and look at some of the movement that you just, you just kind of described there. There, there will be movement and we'll fuss and discuss when it gets here. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me all year. Yes, sir. There you go. Pat DeMarco, uh, the great Gamecock, Pat DeMarco. We cannot, literally cannot thank him enough for what he does here uh, on our program each and every week. All right. Oh, so wait, we need... oh, news. Yep, yep. I got some news I want to drop so we can discuss it. Frank Reich fired for the Panthers. Yeah. Fired yeah, he out. Right before we hit the show. Goodbye, <laughs> yep. Frank. He was uh, fired this morning. And Rick, Rick Stockstill, Stockstill just got fired at Middle Tennessee, which surprises me a lot that they would fire that guy after 
he they basically would not have had a program had it not been for him. Uh, to me, that kind of sucks. But sometimes you get fired. Gary Patterson got fired at TCU, and the next year they played for a national title. So who am I to fuss Rick about has been that? Up there for a while. Yeah, he. I mean, he left. He was on Spurrier's first staff and left to take that job in '06. So yep, yep. Oh, Ricky, Ricky Stocks, Ricky All right. Stock. All right, uh, 1241, we need to step aside. Part of the Chief Sports Network, ITG will be right back. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsa Rita's is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving Williams Bryce Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise, Inside the Gamecocks, and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com, 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment, this holiday season. All right, 1245, welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co., barndominiumco.com. Well, I, I, I hate to be the guy to do this. I don't want to stir up anything here, but I would, I'm just speaking reality. I, I would imagine if Middle Tennessee State is moving on from Rick Stockstill, Pete Limbo's name is probably going to come up with that job. Um, Pete used to be the assistant head coach at Memphis and he knows that state pretty well. And I can't say that Pete Limbo doesn't probably want to be a head coach again. Uh, so, um, we'll see. He hadn't been head coach since he was the head coach at Ball State for five seasons and prior to that at Elon. But, um, I would, I would say JC, there might be a pretty decent chance we could see his name floated around somewhere from a, a credible source on that. Yeah, that kind of job is, is that's that's the kind of one he's thrived at, and and it's not a bad job. Um, and Stockstill's kind of made it good. They uh, they do a good job of uh, recruiting Nashville, uh, and then you're close enough to places like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, you know, the Midwest, where you can that neck that tier of guys that you can realistically recruit. Now, the problem with any job like that is going to be the portal. Cause you're going to lose guys to higher, you know, guys that you go evaluate, you're going to lose them to a higher level. Uh, but that's, that's a problem at every group of five job. So uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough, but uh, he is the type of coach that I think would fit 
uh, at a spot like that. Um, when you win at Ball State, you're a pretty good coach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, David Letterman aside, that that's not a that's not even a good Mac job. There there's there's some jobs in the Mac that when you win there, you're kind of like, wow, that guy that guy can coach. You know, it's, it's one thing winning at Toledo. It's another thing winning at Ball State or Kent State uh, up there. So. Yeah, and if he does, great. I mean, Loishan the best. He he's had a good run. I know this year the special teams weren't great, but uh, I I think that's more of a function of depth. Uh, and like he said, you're moving guys that were outstanding on special teams last year. You can't play them as much because they're starters now, and and the people mm-hmm. behind them aren't as good. And that that's what happens. And you know, Kai Kroger, whatever he hit a he hit a little slump, but. You know, that that's that's more like golfing or shooting free throws to me than any sort of coaching. So uh but hats off to him. Uh he's a good man. Uh and, and hopefully if, if he wants that job, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. Well, we'll certainly see. I'm I'm sure that'll make its way to some message board that I said it. I I'm, I'm just saying I would imagine he would be in consideration for it. So we'll we'll see how it all works out. But uh, yeah, you know, look, there's I think it's inevitable that there's going to be something that changes uh you know generally when you when you don't have a successful season there are always changes jc and um you know with and there's a lot of ways to do that i think that um you know if if coach beamer has shown anything whether you you us whomever as media fans whatever it may be like it or or not you know he's not a he's not a quick trigger guy um I think that Shane, whether this is the right way or the wrong way to do it, uh, sees the human before the coach. Uh, there's a lot of guys that don't care, and I understand that too. Hey, it's a job, and uh, you got to understand when you sign up, you, you sign up sometimes to get fired. And you make a bunch of money, and you got to understand that sometimes you're just going to get fired when you're not doing a very good job. You're going, you're going to get canned. Um, and you know, guys like coach Spurrier in the past, you know, they've had no problems walking in and saying that you're just not getting it done. So you're out of here. We wish you the best, but uh, we're going to, we're going to do something different. Um, Shane doesn't seem like the guy to do that. He seems more of, and again, you would know a lot more about it than we would, but we all, we all hear and kind of know different things. Um, you know, he's always generally trying to look out for the best interest of the person. And so I guess, what am I getting at here? I'm getting at the fact that I don't know what changes could be coming, um, but he probably is going to have his own way about doing that. And, you know, he 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 will – like if there's a guy who is maybe not the right fit and he just needs to find a way to move on from him, you know, that guy might, just might be taking another job, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can do all this. I, I know that, you know, we all have our opinions as to how you should or shouldn't do some of it. And I get that. I'm not saying that I wouldn't be the guy who would walk in and say, we really appreciate you, but it just isn't working out. So I wish you and your family the best. But um, I don't think that that's how he's going to handle some of this. So if there are changes, I would say that those will be coming on his time, his way, and we'll all just be able to fuss and discuss those uh, once once they get here. Yeah, I just – yeah. And look, like I said, that's not me, and that, that's really probably not how I'd work. Um, and, <laughs> you know, but other coaches have done it multiple ways i mean it's uh Shame. coach spurrier he had one that one year 08 and i think he was about done with that team <laughs> by the time they finished coaching it remember everybody went pro david reeves goes with kiffin uh cooper gets told to look for another job 
Uh, it was Ellis's first year as D, as D corners, and he was safe. Beamer gets moved to recruiting coordinator. And the funny thing was that season was also transition at Tennessee, transition at Clemson. I think both both North Carolina schools opened up. Uh, and then 09 recruiting class, even with six coaching changes, because they brought in G.A. Mangus, Jay Graham, Lorenzo Ward, um, you know, uh, Craig Fitzgerald from Harvard was the new strength coach. Uh, they uh, they ended up putting together his best staff. But then you think about other years where, hey, you know, why don't you go look around? <laughs> and and that's normally how Spurrier would handle it. He, he did not like firing people, as we all saw at the end of his tenure at yeah. all. When he held – he held serve and said, um, he held serve and said, I'm just going to move Grady Brown off the field and bring in Johnny Hoke and let's see how it works. <laughs> oh, great idea, coach. Let's, let's let Lorenzo Ward and Deke Adams co-coach the D-line. I mean, it took Lance Thompson three years to get that situation right. Uh, or two, you know, 17. That's when guys like Dante Sawyer and uh, Ulrich Jones and Taylor Stallworth, those guys really started playing ball, if you notice is because they had a year where they just weren't coached at all, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, you know, that was it. And um, also, you know, I mean, Coach Holtz, he he didn't really make wholesale changes until, uh, until that last year. You know, you had guys leave for other jobs, like Charlie Strong left and he promoted Chris Kosh, but he had a lot of, you know, continuity. Um, and then after 63-17, he had to make some changes. So, I don't know. Different people handle it different ways. I wish, uh, you know, I wish, uh, I mean, if I were him, you know, I think sometimes it's good to just go ahead and and, and do the Jeremy Foley thing. Uh, When he fired Zook at Florida, he's like, what must be done eventually must be done immediately. Um, But at the same time, it is a profession and there are personal relationships there. Uh, And if a guy can land on his feet, it actually makes your program. I mean, you, you don't look like you've, I mean, you know, you, you don't make the guy that's leaving look bad and you, you don't look bad yourself. You save face a little bit. So I certainly understand that. The problem is you're running up against recruiting right now with the new uh, calendar. And so, you know, that that's a consideration as well when you're talking about a bunch of, a bunch of changes, uh, you know. So um, maybe – that's a school of thought that you don't want, uh, you know, you want to wait till after that. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, you know, I'm, I lean more toward after a year like this, that you just go ahead and rip off the bandaid and, and, and get out in front and, you know, kind of just go see who you can get. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a plan uh, one way or the other, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm not sitting here advocating for no change. Uh, I am pro change. I think there are some changes that need to be made uh, to maximize this program moving forward. It, it also will be interested to see what type of what type of um, candidates and what type of interest you would get this go around now that he has been a head coach, not just the head coach at South Carolina, but been a head coach for three seasons. Uh, you know, when you're when you're a first time head coach, uh, and I know we've talked about a lot of this, guys. You know, there are talented guys out there who probably have some interest but are a little bit apprehensive to take that type of job going to work for somebody that maybe just hadn't done it before is just not that intriguing when you've been doing it a long time uh and so 
once you get a guy who's kind of got some things under his belt and he's you know some time under his belt like like Shane does it it will draw some additional interest for from some quality guys and and so I'll be anxious to see what that looks like too uh, again if there are changes made uh, coming down the road so certainly something to keep an eye on and then of course the timeline is just all boogered up now and you know South Carolina right now you know they need to continue to hold on to the talent that they've got committed I know we're out of time so we'll continue this conversation coming up here in hour three but you know what you certainly don't want to do is is make a change and then lose a bunch of kids who are going to come in and and, and help you win games um, yeah this is they're not in a position to be able to just drop talent so that's uh, that's something that will need to be considered as well. But Clint, I love that idea. Moving somebody to coach Lucas to linebackers and giving Travy in the D line. I think they needed. I think they need a linebackers coach. I really do. And I like Travy and having the whole D line myself. So I'd be. Yeah, I do that. too. I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I, I, I'm in favor. I'm in favor. Great idea. I mean, I, I call you guys out when you don't have good ideas. So I should probably pat you on the head when you do. No, I think that I, I think that there's something to that. I mean, I, I like that. And I, I would venture a guess that's probably been discussed. I I, I I like this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. <laughs> I just quoted Ghostbusters. <laughs> Gotta have some, some comic relief here. Let's see. Uh, Sonder Lucas moves the linebackers where he played. Yeah. Of course, he, like Clayton White, has never coached linebackers. Of course, outside linebackers. I don't know. Yeah. Outside, I think Sterling can do it. Special teams. I think Sterling could be a, a good linebackers coach. I think Sterling would be fine. All right. Well, we got to take a bathroom break here. It's been a long day. I got to get some more coffee for my throat. We'll go anywhere. We got an hour to go. And we look forward to coming right back. We'll also hit on the rest of college football. We haven't had a chance to get into that yet. What a weekend. Wow, what a scenario unfolding with the playoff, too. Crazy. Hang tight. Inside the game, coach will be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans, where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. Carolina Barbecue always presents the national anthem uh, at noon. Didn't get it in earlier today. We were out of time before we got to Pat, but certainly wanted to make sure we get it in because that's what we do. So it was on. It's noon for JC. It's noon. It's noon central. That's true. That's right. Uh, We're just honoring those in the central time zone today with our national anthem at noon. You're on Inside the Gamecocks, uh, the show. Welcome back. uh, two, Two hours in the books. One to go. What's up? Yeah, Bears play tonight. Uh, oh, by the way, um, um, uh, I'll text you guys about that after we get off. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> but no, um, it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 noon in the Midwest and it's snowing. It's first snow of the year happened Saturday night. Uh, it sucks. It was cold today. I had to scrape the ice off the car before I went, and I'm batting down the hatches for another winter. Mm. I gotta get get my blubber right, you know, like a like a bear, you know, before he hibernates. <laughs> Shovel in a couple of beef sandwiches and uh, get ready to stay warm. So, uh, uh, you know, Clint, I think I think there's about three I would make if you're if you want to know the truth. Uh, two definitely, but uh, 
I won't, I'm not going to get into any speculation on that, like as far as positions and go, because honestly, there are really no positions this year outside of quarterback that I, I could go, oh, yeah, they had a great year. <laughs> you know, um, I uh, I definitely, you know, I, yeah, and that's as far as I'll go with that right now. Yeah, I yeah, I think they I think that they all they all had their issues. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, again, I, it just goes back to consistency for me. I mean, and, and there's a lot that that you can have that conversation with, with that word, you know, the up front, the offensive line, it very inconsistent. Why injuries, youth, uh, running back group inconsistent. Why, uh, lack of depth and, um, and probably, uh, talent and injuries, uh, you know, at the, at the wide receiver position outside of Xavier Leggett, I would say, uh, at times, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, inconsistent. Why? I don't know. Uh, I know this. Justin Stepp is elite. So if there's anybody who's going to fix that room, it's him. Um, regardless of what anybody on the outside wants to say, that is just not a very good look for somebody to go bagging on Justin Stepp. Uh, G.A. Mangus and Pat DeMarco have sat here and praised him on our program for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, trust me, he's 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 as good as they get. Um, the tight end room, I would say it was inconsistent. Why? I, I don't know the answer to that either, JC, but I, I Phil, I, I would also say this. I think the uh, no, nothing personal in this statement, I think that the personnel was incorrectly used. And um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not the ultimate football mind, but I I, I am really still blown away that Josh Simon didn't play more throughout the year. And that's interesting you bring that up, JD, in that if you were to isolate a position group that didn't really see the youth come on towards the end of the season, tight end is definitely one of those. Where uh, you can make the argument that you needed that help. Even if yeah. all you've got the big body out there blocking people. <laughs> yeah, they'd play yeah. Joe, uh, what's his name? Jadarius John Darius Morgan at tight end a little bit. Yeah, uh, some yeah, yeah. But no, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, am I saying that Jody Wright is not doing a good job? I don't know. He's recruiting well. He hadn't been here that long. Um, you know, I know a lot of the yeah. <laughs> coaches on staff liked him when he came, and I think he's pretty well liked. But I mean, I think that's fair though. Uh, you know, as far as the player usage goes, um. The OC leaves unless it's a specific thing where he needs a guy. The position coaches handle that. So, mm-hmm. you know, where um, I, I like Josh Simon, and I, and I like Trey Knox too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I think you could probably have found a way to incorporate both. But uh, Josh Simon's just a little bit more physical, just a little bit more nasty. It's a little bit more of a baller, I thought this year than, than Trey. Yeah, I I, I think that. Um, yeah, I, I think that. Though, yeah, yeah. It, again, I, I don't know the reasons why, I, but I mean, let's go back to August, and we can go back prior to that. I mean, you know, it, our conversations here on on this program, you know, we have we pretty much all had it on pretty good accord that Josh Simon was a dude. And and he was going to play, 
And so, you know, I, I, I was a little dis, like, if you want to talk about specific things that we saw this year that you're disappointed in, and I don't know why, again, I don't know the reasons why, and I'm not sitting here trying to bag on anybody. It's nothing personal. It's just like looking back over the last 12 games based on what I think I know, and maybe I just don't know the whole story. What would you have liked to seen a little bit differently here? Or there, that is right there at the top. You know, Josh Simon. Yeah, I thought that probably should have played some more um, on the offensive side of the football. And and I'll be honest with you, you know, again hindsight twenty twenty. But I mean, in the Furman game, Mario Anderson took one carry, and we cut the mics on on Monday, and. <laughs> I said, that's the best running back on the team, and then we didn't see him for three weeks. You know, so, like, there are certain things. Again, consistency. Why were all these positions inconsistent? Um, you know, there, I think there's a little bit of a different reasoning for all of it. And I think somebody earlier in the chat box said, everything should be under evaluation. It and is. I, It is. And I'm glad, and Shane has publicly said that, hey, at the end of the year, you, you evaluate everything. And I know that's what they're doing today, and and hopefully they can fix it now, like ASAP now. Yeah, I mean, look, Josh Josh Simon has another year. Uh, he's also eligible to go back in the portal and transfer, um, if he wants, because he's now a graduate uh, transfer. So we'll see uh, what his future holds. I, I think if he came back next year, he'd have a really good season. And I think uh, Michael Smith probably will start will play as well as a true freshman. Uh, at yeah. that spot, you know, I don't know what's up with Elksness. And, and I think maybe if you criticize the tight ends and develop quote unquote development of that position, maybe that's what you're looking at. You know, uh, why, why Reed McKeska, Connor Cox, Nick Elksness did not play more this year where they weren't ready. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're but I mean, they're freshmen, you know, I mean, yeah, they're freshmen, I, so I, I don't um, get beat up over the young guys. It's, that's not, you know, that's not what I'm getting at here. I, I thought it was a personnel issue. I, you know, Trey is a guy who, first of all, we got to know him. This kid probably could end up being the governor or the president or something. Yeah. He, he's, he's a special he's human. Um, but, you know, he's – they're athletically, they're just – and I know he got a little banged up too, but there's just only so much he can do. That's not a knock on him. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, Josh Simon, when he when he's got the ball in his hand, he moves a little bit differently. I just felt like personnel usage there might have been a little bit off. But I've never been hired to coach tight ends at the collegiate level either. And nobody ever asked me my opinion, and they don't give a damn what it is. That's just looking back on it. What mm-hmm. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe there could have been something a little bit yeah, more. Simon and Anderson, you know, uh, receiver. There's not really anybody. I mean, like, look, and I've mentioned Eddie Lewis, uh, and I'm, sh- I mean, I'm sure, like, if I did not know what I knew about kind of his off the field situation. Uh, I would be like, where the hell is Eddie Lewis? <laughs> because he looked good. He did. But you, you have to take care of your business and do the right thing to play South Carolina. You know, more power to him. You know, Kelton Henderson was a freshman, highly touted. It came in here and got way behind because of injury. Uh, I mentioned Elijah Caldwell earlier. Really good out of pads. Not so good with pads. That happens. You know, it, it's a different ball game with pads, right? Um, you know, as far as Kyla Horton goes, I, you know, he's probably still, I mean, it, we, t- we knew it was going to take two years for that guy. Um, you know, so if we want to talk about, you know, development at receiver, you know, running back was a little, you know, I, I wrote today guys, 
you know, that has to change. Okay. If there's one mandate I'm having, if I'm Shane Beamer, the situation at running back here has to change. I don't care who does it, what happens. There's no excuse for having the room you had this year. And thank God for Mario Anderson. You know, thank God when he got in the portal, Taylor Edwards said, Hey, this guy's pretty good. We'll probably take him. But if it weren't for him, you're done. You're, you're completely done. You know, I, I, and I know a lot of people like Braswell because of speed. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on that guy right now. Now he could get better. Like a lot of players do. I'm not giving up on him, but I'm not sold. DJ Braswell can be the, if Mario leaves, which I don't know. I don't think he will, but if he does, then I'm not sold to that guy. I mean, I think they, they portal, uh, you got to get fuller in, you got to get another high school guy. If you don't get, uh, if you don't get Hill, I mean, you, you've got to, you got to flip that room, man. Well, you, you have to, that you've got to get a portal running back this year, regardless and, of whether you sign Daniel Hill or not, you got to sign him. And look, if let's say Mario does leave, which could happen. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. it's likely, but it could, uh, that's yet another guy that's gotten the hell out of Dodge at running back as soon as he possibly could. And, and that's happened this in the entire Shane Beamer era. Now, am I blaming anybody specifically? No, not I me. Mean, not you guys tell me, uh, cause if you can't bring guys in and all your guys are leaving some prematurely, and I understand the nature of that position is if you can go get paid, go get paid. Cause all those guys in the NFL have a shelf life and we see it every single year. Some undrafted free agent knocks a multi-million dollar contract off the roster because their legs are fresh and the other ones aren't. But, man, I mean, you, th- there's no more excuses about running back. There's no more, let, let's move this guy, or there's no more, it's not, none of that. It is, let's go get this room right. And that, well, I, if I'm Shane Beamer, I, you have to have that. You know, because the line is going to get better. The line, the line won't have these injuries next year. You know, but well, you've got to have be somebody. an easy sell. I mean, hey, look, we, we don't have a bell cow here. We just signed two of the top three tackles in, in, in the country. We're returning everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get the narrative that, well, we don't, do we really want this group? If some of these guys, like, why would we want them back? They were terrible. No, no, you, you do. You do want them back. It's, it's always funny when you hear that, right? I had someone say that to me this weekend, a friend of mine. He was like, well, do we really want these guys to return? They've been terrible. I'm like, but you're going to be the first one to run to the message boards and one of them transfers and wondering why they're leaving. No, you always want guys to return, period. Like, yeah. you, you might have to have a guy that you need to run off, but, like, you you want – look, if you return Vershawn Lee and Nick Gargiulo and Ja'Kai Moore and those freshmen and they don't start next year, it sure is nice knowing you got a backup that started 12 games, 20 games, 30 games, whatever it is, mm. in their career. So, like, that 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 – I am confident, I'm with you, that they that position group has a bright future, as bad as it was this year. So if that's the case, how on earth, if you don't have, if you're not returning some big stud at running back, how can you not sign one? Like that should be, if you're a running back, why would you not want to play at South Carolina? And if you do, and you don't sign with them, then where's the problem? And again, that goes back to things that probably need to be addressed by Coach Beamer. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. So it's, yeah, I mean, look, man, Jalen Nichols, who was hurt all year, who actually is a shame. That's what we can trace all this back to the spring game when all this started, right? This is a spring game. He goes, he goes down and, uh, you know, so you go, uh, 
so you you bring him back, you bring back Vershawn Lee and Nick Gargiulo. That's three really. Th- those guys weren't like individually the problems this year. Uh, Trevon Ball and Big Tree will be a year older. Marquis Anderson, who is probably going to start too, uh, will be back. Uh, and then you bring in the two younger guys at tackle who are advanced, you know, and and you don't have to, let's say, you don't have to, you have to worry about starting them both. You can maybe start one. Maybe Case and Henry does get better and more healthy. Um, his uh, his deal is, um, you know, something that he just needs to rest. And he, you know, you can't. He keeps rushing it back, and that was probably a bad idea on his part. Um, so. You know, there's a lot that you can be done. And, yes, Sondermich is big tree going to guard. Well, that could happen. You know, if you get Nichols back and Henry back, Absolutely could. you can move him. Boy, that dude inside would be amazing. Uh, you I know, mean, I, I think, think this line would have been better this year with another freshman in there, Marquis Anderson. So They would have, yeah. And, and, and make no mistake about it, I've been told Marquis would have played. Uh, and, yeah, Titan Minches, we could have used Rashad Amos. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what I'm talking about. Like everybody's getting the hell out of Dodge from that room. And that there's not that much attrition everywhere else, man. You know, I know and I know Birch and and and, and Gilbert left for NIL dollars. NIL dollars in fame. Well, you know what? They're both gonna probably be in the playoff. So yeah, that, that's kind of hard. Know, to say. could be said is the most concerning situation because here he is, he's not a hot commodity. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like the other yeah. ones. I mean, no name, no, no, you know, it's like that's the one that, that kind of was red flag for me when all was said and done. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd, we all know why he left, uh, at least pri- primary reason. But Amos, you had every opportunity <laughs> with well, Lloyd being. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when he Trigger says yeah. he, he fumbled every time he's in. Well, yeah, he only got one chance every five games. You know, when he played in the, in the spring game, he looked really good. You know, a lot of a lot of backs did that night. But uh, you know, I, I think I think Amos was fine. You know, yeah. how many times I mean, did carry on Joiner fumble? And I'm not going after DK. I'm just saying if that's your metric, yeah, there's yeah, you, you can't have sit to, there. I, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, nobody holds fumbling's a lot like golf and free throw shooting and putting and all that. You know, sometimes it's mental. But I mean, I watched a fo- high school football game. I crap you not. Where Marcus Lattimore fumbled four times, mm-hmm. but rushed for two hundred and thirty yards. Burns lost to St. Thomas Aquinas that night, and Gio Bernard and uh, the kid that played at Wisconsin that was really good that played for the Patriots was on that team. Leonard Hankerson was on that. I mean, that was a loaded St. Thomas team. But I watched Marcus fumble four times in high school, which never happened. You know, so that's not really one of those things. Deshaun Fenwick at Oregon State probably could have helped too. He was coming into his own. He had a good year out there, but that, that's just what I'm saying, man. That's that's an that's a that's a red flag to me. Well, it, is it, that the, you know you're you're losing guys every year, and then you're not replacing them. You yeah, know what I'm saying? and I think and I think a lot of that too. Also, you know, it's it again. I I don't. I'm not proclaiming like I'm right on. That's not that's not what I'm getting at. I, I'm just trying to. Our jobs to talk about it. And I'm just trying to figure it out here. And it's and it's nothing personal, but like that you're losing guys. Okay, so you know, I know the inside story of the Marshawn Lloyd situation. He basically just never showed back up and left his roommate hanging. All right. And okay. Oh, you can't thank Caleb right. Williams' dad for that too. Exactly. So like, okay, that that's a little bit different, but like Rashad leave it. Rashad Amos last year had two carries. Two. 
He's a running back. Jaheim Bell at 73. He's a tight end, right? So, like, you, you, you fast forward here to 2023, and again, how long did it take Mario to get on the field when if you – it felt like if you had a set of eyeballs and a brain, a properly functioning brain, you knew this guy should be running the football. Um, it felt like they did – to carry on, and a, it, to me, this is what it felt like to me, uh, a, a real disservice in the offseason by putting 20 extra pounds on him or whatever it was. I don't – apparently that wasn't necessary because he couldn't move like he used to be able to move. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we didn't see Juju for how long this year, and all of a sudden he's just back in there. You know, so, like, I, I, I'm just – you talk about the transfers, J.C., and then you – when you have that conversation, you lump into it personnel usage. And it's and it's easy to ask the question, what are we doing here? Again, I don't know the answer. I don't. And I'm not I'm not even gonna I'm not sitting here trying to act like I do know the answer, like I'm throwing something out there and hinting at something. I don't. I don't know the answer. But I understand why the question is being asked. No doubt. Oh yeah. I mean it's fair to call. I mean, like I said, I wrote today. Fix it. I don't care how, I don't care who, I don't care what, I don't care about the process, just fix it. Because look, it's not, it's like baffling to the point of like the must champ era at safety. Like, why are you having problems getting safety? Why are you having problems getting running backs here? They've always had, I mean, it it doesn't matter if they're recruiting four stars, five stars, two stars, or three stars. You always have competent backs. Hell, Lou Holtz one time had five and played them all in one game. Against Vandy and beat the crap out of Vandy. <laughs> uh, but look, it, you know. Well, I mean, two years ago we had Kevin Harris, Aquandre White, Juju McDowell, and Marshawn Lloyd were all on the same team. Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, that's that's and, and that's that's kind of a knock because they, you know, unlike some positions that Muschamp did not leave in good shape, like quarterback, um, he left a lot of good players at running back. They left a lot of good players on offensive line. Our, our players, you know, they left a really good bunch of defensive ends. And you kind of look at it and you're like, well, here's where the deficiencies are starting now. And it's kind of, I, and I understand the end to a certain extent, man, there hasn't been the talent in the state. And then, you know, the Rams thing was disappointing and, you know, they, they, they disappointment, you know, Dawkins was not as good as they thought he'd be out of the portal. I get all that, you know, but, uh, Running back, there's no excuse. I mean, you know, you can find you can you can, and I don't think they recruited enough guys there either. You can go find five guys that are comparable around the South and say this is one through five, and you strike out on one, you keep the other one warm, and you go get them. I mean, look look at Ole Miss as the probably the, one of the best running backs in the in the country, three star kid out of Bama. You can go find those guys. You just have to, you know, the best best coaches we've had here, or Carolina's had here. At finding guys were probably Robert Gillespie, Jay Graham, Bobby Bentley, and then Des Kitchings for a year. Uh, and Des is one of the best ever to do it. Um, so, you know, you, you gotta you, you gotta fix this somehow because there there's there's a track record of being able to be competent at least at running back around here, uh, and and not and, and, and you know look. Poor Mario got beat up. I, I I don't think Mario has been a hundred percent. I mean, you, you could tell me whatever you want. I don't think the kid's been a hundred percent the last two weeks at all. Just well, just a step slow, you know. Yeah, and that happens hasn't. when you're when you're playing hurt. You know, you're not playing injured. You're playing hurt. 
Okay, and so with no depth behind him, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, I agree. I All agree. right, Trayvon, I'll just mention Trayvon Dunbar. I don't know. They don't want him. They saw it like they don't want him. Maybe they circle back. I have no idea. Uh, I'll say this about that and move on. In-state kids that are talented, that are very, very good, that you pass on, you better hope they don't go someplace else and, and shine. Because when I start talking about bad recruiting, that's what I get. That's what I. That's what I can't do. You know, I. I you know, some people bitch because the rankings twenty first instead of fifteenth. I. I know enough to know there's not that much difference. You know, you just got to get close with the rankings, and the rankings are, are what they are. Uh, it's when you start letting good good players at a position of need, just like with receiver at the old the old staff, just like what happened with the old staff at receiver. You start letting guys that are good leave the state that can play. That can come back to bite you. That's bad recruiting. So, I mean, and, and we won't know for wherever Dunbar ends up. We won't know for a couple of years. But uh, that's just one of those things. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I, I would probably squeeze him in the class. But I'd also taken the kid from Dutch Fork last year that went to Clemson. So that's just me. I just think that sometimes your in-state guys, if you have a position like that that's thin, you – you put a guy out there, he'll probably he'll probably surprise you nine times out of ten. But that's just me. I'm not saying they're wrong. They pro- they may not be, but that those are the types of recruiting decisions that can come back to bite you at South Carolina because there's not enough players to fill out a whole roster. So you better take the ones you can get. And history shows us those usually end up being your better players. We certainly will uh, will find out. I know the kid had a unbelievable senior year. Trayvon Dunbar. It almost seems like, by the way, he's just waiting to get an offer from South Carolina. But, um, well, I don't know if he will or won't. We'll find out down the road somewhere. And, and Jay Diz, they didn't make Lloyd split carries with Jaheim Bell. Jaheim Bell didn't start playing running back until Lloyd took himself out of games. Hmm. Uh, I don't I don't remember Lloyd. Lloyd split. I guess they put McDowell in after Lloyd in the beginning of the year when he was, quote, unquote, healthy. So that's not true. Um. Brent asked if Jay Graham's at ETSU as an assistant. Go pay the – Jay is not. Uh, Jay is not going to be getting back into college coaching. But nope. uh, you uh, you might see him again somewhere. So, we'll see. we'll see. We all love Jay Graham here on this show. And, yes, and trust me. But, yeah, college coaching is just not in not in no. the cards for, he, he for my man coaching. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but, Jonathan, I don't know that all other Power 5 coaches have, have offered Dunbar. Who else in the SEC has offered him? Kentucky? Yeah, well, and right. That was my question about him. Um, <clears throat> whenever we first started talking about this, I don't even know how long yeah. ago. I mean, I, I agree it's a debate. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. But yeah. let's just be let's just be accurate with our criticisms here. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> – you know, Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Lloyd, Lloyd didn't split time with Bell uh, as much as Marcus Satterfield screwed everything up. Uh, and uh, I don't know that Dunbar has a bunch of SEC offers or options right now. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, and I'm with you, Jonathan. I don't care who else offers him. I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, the statement with the, the, the power five offers. Oh, so Jonathan was saying trust Beamer because it's not SEC, no SEC offers. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I but, mean, uh, you, you don't ever know what some of these offers mean or when they came and are they still committable or not. I mean, he's showing two. Old Miss and Arkansas, uh, but again, I don't know the backstory and all that. So, 
I know that all the schools in the immediate area, Clemson, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida State, uh, none have uh, have offered the young man. And I don't know why. And just that's what it says. Yeah. And look, let's not start crapping all over next season yet. I'll tell you this. Uh who knows what'll happen in the portal, but with the transfer portal these days, you can you can turn it around quick. I don't think in a sixteen team SEC you're gonna see the Gamecocks ranked very highly because people love their favorites in the preseason polls. I don't expect the Gamecocks to be, but there's no reason why they can't turn it around in seven and five, eight and four next year. Don't be scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be scared. Uh there's a long way to go before next season's roster takes place and Who's coaching what and all that good stuff. So don't 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 go crapping all over next season yet. So I think it'll be. Uh, I think you may be surprised. We need to step aside. It is one twenty eight. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. It's as we all well know the holiday season, and if you're looking for something that you don't have and you don't have an electric bike, man, they're sweet. They really are. They are really really sweet. Electrobitescharleston.com. It might not be for you. It might be for, might be for your kids. Uh, might be for your spouse. Something you want to go a different direction. Something to get you active, but something to get you out. And then also, you just don't have to pedal all the time. That's 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 the way I like it. Electric bikes of Charleston. Electrobitescharleston.com. If you don't live in the low country, it's okay. It's okay. I promise you, they'll work with you and they'll figure out how to connect and and. Um, how to make sure that you are well taken care of no matter where you're from. So check them out online at electrobitescharleston.com. Call Michelle. She'll set up a time. You get in there and talk about it, and uh, hopefully you make a purchase. I promise you, you won't regret Electrobitescharleston.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, 
you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. on the way here in South Carolina. Check your uh, check your forecast. The next couple of days are going to be chilly. And um, how so, chilly is up. chilly? How well, chilly you know, is JC, chilly? you're from the South. I mean, you get down to around 30 degrees. That's cold. Oh, 30 so. is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Down there, yeah, man, boy, 30 is a bone chilling. Yeah, exactly. It's a bone chilling cold. Bone chilling cold. Uh, it should be out of here though before the weekend championship weekend is coming up New Mexico State and Liberty 7 o'clock Friday night in the Conference USA title game and then immediately following 8 o'clock on ABC top six matchup Oregon and Washington Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite in that ball game Hmm. Saturday kicks off at noon on ABC Oklahoma State and Texas in the Big 12 title game uh, in Arlington the Longhorns 14 and a half point favorites It'll be followed up immediately by the Dogs and the Tide. Alabama is a five-and-a-half-point dog, but they're the home team, if that matters, in Atlanta. They're not going to SMU. Home team. <laughs> huh? They're, they won't have they, any more fans. Yeah, no. Not the dogs. Uh, SMU uh, and uh, Tulane will kick it four on ABC from Yolman Stadium down there in New Orleans. Tulane looking to go 12-1. and one. SMU. Is ten and two on the air. That's a that's a sneaky good game, boys and girls. Tulane's a four point favorite in it. This one is probably going to be the dud of the day. Michigan and Iowa at eight <laughs> o'clock on Fox. Just so everybody knows, uh, if this was next year, we'd be watching Michigan and Ohio State again this weekend. Um, but uh, Michigan's a twenty three point favorite over the Hawkeyes, and then you got Louisville and Florida State. Louisville looking to win the ACC. They are just two and a half point underdogs in Charlotte, eight o'clock on Saturday night to the fifth-ranked Knowles, of course, who are playing without uh, Jordan Travis. But once again, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, Oregon and Washington uh, on um, on ABC on Friday night is, is going to be special. Uh, and I think you could see a lot of points in the game. But Georgia and Alabama, the SEC once again will steal the show this weekend uh, with probably the most watched conference game, conference title game out there. And, and then – Based on who wins all these things, right, guys? 
let the infighting begin because uh, there's going to be a lot of lot of folks saying we deserve to be in because. Oh, chaos was knocking on the door this past weekend and just nobody let it in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> I mean, what do you do with Florida State? God, it's just I so... Know. And, and then, uh, so the big thing is, is, is if Georgia loses. Because I don't... Let's say they lose by a point to Alabama. How do you keep that team out of the playoff if you're really wanting the four best teams? How do you keep Ohio State out? I mean, I I just don't know. I, I would not want to be the, the committee this year, but uh, as if my theory holds, and my theory is usually correct about that that bunch, they, they're, they're kind of old school, all of them. Uh, they were or they, they, they'd st- they're still living in the time where undefeated means everything. And I still think it does, but I don't, I don't think it does, man. You know, who would you, who would you take today? Oregon or Florida state? If they played Oregon. Okay. Oregon. Oh, right now, assuming they beat Washington, yep, right. Florida state versus Ohio state. Who would you pick? Ohio state. Okay. Who would you pick? Florida state versus Texas. Texas. All right. Florida state versus Alabama. Alabama. Florida State versus Missouri. Florida State. Missouri. <laughs> I love, I mean, Missouri's playing as good as anybody right now. Yeah, I, just right. Wanted, I, I mean, that's, I just wanted to, no, I just wanted to see yeah. what you thought there because if you think that this two loss team is better than this team with no losses, then Florida State essentially has no prayer getting in this. Uh, I mean, next I, week. you know, I, I, and I don't know, you know, I mean, F- Florida State, look, I, I was impressed with their win over Florida. I mean, I thought that's a, that's an environment you can go into and lose. Uh, do you see the Florida kid swat his coach's hand away when he was going in the game? Yes. <laughs> Jeez, dude. He would be off my team tomorrow. That's so disrespectful. And that's part of their – I'm not going to get into what the problem the Gators have. There's too many problems around Columbia for me to get into that, and they did win. Billy Napier appears to be safe. If he wasn't, he'd be gone by now. I would, I mean, oh, they'd have fired oh, him. Oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. I mean, and, and but the, the problem is, you know, people talk about Carolina's schedule next year. Florida's schedule is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, they their non-conference are UCF, Miami, and Florida State, and then one cupcake. <laughs> and, and you, I mean, you playing UCF in and of itself. I mean, Gus Malzahn coaches them, and they're going to want a piece of the Gators. And Florida State's still going to be pretty good. And you know, and then they have like Texas and Georgia and all these. I mean, their, their conference, they did not draw a favorable conference schedule either. So how much, I mean, if they go six and six next year, are you going to keep him? Because that'd be a pretty good year against that schedule. What if they go six and seven and Florida has four straight losing seasons, three under him? Well, interesting enough, three of the teams that go to Tallahassee are three of the same teams that come to Columbia. Ole Miss, um, Ole Miss LSU, and Texas A&M all go to Ta- – I, mean, I said Tallahassee. Ole Miss, LSU, and Texas A&M all go to Gainesville, and they all come to Columbia as well. Isn't that strange? Carolina's is. fourth home game is Missouri, and uh, Florida's fourth home game is Kentucky. Carolina plays uh, – I, I swear to God, this is what they did for Carolina's schedule. All right, who hadn't they played in a while? Well, they hadn't played <laughs> LSU at home since uh, 08 because you had to cancel game in there. All right, well, they're on. Uh, Ole Miss hasn't been to Columbia since 09. Oh, they're on. 
Uh, Game Pass hasn't been to Alabama since it's 09. All right, send them to Alabama. All right, what games have a trophy? Texas A&M and Missouri. All right, they're still on the schedule. <laughs> we, should, we should probably give them Vanderbilt because they got to play Alabama at LSU. All right, Vanderbilt's on. Uh, and then they always are going to play Kentucky every year regardless. So that was easy for the it's, – it, it, but it's a – I talk about this schedule being weird this year, next year, and I, we'll see how the order of it goes. But that's that's different, guys. I mean, no, well, tw- we no Tennessee, no, no Florida, no Georgia. I think 10 days. They've played days. those teams for 30 years, man. Every year. Yeah, Florida, that's Tennessee, the next Georgia. In the next week. <laughs> so. Week, two weeks. Next two weeks, we should have the schedule. Yeah. At Oklahoma, I mean, that's – I'd probably rather play Oklahoma than Texas next season just because of some feedback I got about Oklahoma's roster from a couple of people that should know uh, they're not quite ready, um, you know. And, unfortunately, the game's out there. Uh, and you, you see the crimson and cream and the interlocking go U. I mean, you know, that's tough. It's still going to be tough to go win, but I, I'll i take that. Over. I mean, since everybody's having to play one of those two, I will take Oklahoma over Texas uh, just because of their roster situation. Texas is good, but it, it, and I know they stump their toe sometimes against good teams and stuff, and they could easily screw it up, but I would probably go lean more towards wanting to play Oklahoma. Well, they are good news. So, uh, and I'm planning to go to that game as a matter of fact. And they yeah, they lost good. their their OC to uh, Mississippi State, Jeff Levy. Yeah, Jeff Levy, and and that's kind of where I was going with this conversation because he's gone. He's at Mississippi. I think that's a good hire for Mississippi State. And honestly, I think that A and M's hire not only is a good it, like you. It's rare, in my opinion, that you can have a safe hire and a good hire. And I think that's both. I think Mike Elko is both a safe hire and a good hire. Does that does that make any any sense? You know what I'm saying? Like he's gonna he's got a floor. I think he has a floor, but I also I also feel like he can coach his way into raising the ceiling. So I, that's what I mean by safe and uh, also good. I think I think that's a that's a good fit for AM. The AD and the powers that be out there did a, and we'll see. We'll see because if Elko flops and Mike Stoops goes to say or Mark Stoops goes to say Iowa and starts winning, you're gonna look like a bunch of idiots uh, because they 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 didn't quite Shiano Mark Stoops, but they Shianoed Mark Stoops, uh, and so uh, you know I don't know. I tend to think Elko should have been the guy from the beginning. Uh, they needed a football coach, Ross Bjork, and, and those folks out there. I think recognize that go for substance over style with this hire. Uh, and and Mike Elko, he's proven it at every level as a coordinator, and then's proven it at Duke. You know, last uh, you know, last coach at Duke that went to that took an SEC job did pretty well last time I checked. So yeah, uh, yeah, name head ball know. coach, head ball coach, shoot, yeah, I just went I, to Duke University. I, so um, yeah, I, I, I think I think Jeff, that's a good one. Jeff Levy, when when he became the leader in the clubhouse. It felt like, and it's probably easy to feel this way because it makes sense, but it felt like they, they, they wanted to get back in line with what they were after with Mike Leach. Like we can't hire Mike Leach again, but we want to get back in line with being that type of, that type of football program. That's, that's going to be our identity around here. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what JC pointed out anyway, would be a, a, the hire for them to make was, you know, you need to go back to being a special prep because you're not going to win there with the same formula as, you know, Alabama or, you know, some big name Georgia, somebody like that. You're not going to beat them at their own game. <laughs> yeah, you needed yeah. that. I, I, The only thing I question about it is, and look, I think Leach did a great job there because uh, he hired the right D.C., you know, and, and so I think Kiefer Levy is going to be defensive coordinator. Hiring a, an offensive whiz like Dan Mullen is different than hiring a Mike Leach or Jeff Levy, though, because, you know, what, what, and you think back to the Hypo era at Missouri as an example of this, you know, what, 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 what they, what they do is they chunk it all, they're going to go really, really fast, chunk it all over the yard, whatever. It's a defensive coordinator's nightmare. Mississippi has way more defensive talent in it as a state than offense. They always have. And you got another guy over there that's pretty good at dialing up offense, too. Um, Mullen was not. Mullen is a creative offense and a special prep, like like Phil said. But it's also based in power run game. At that school, you can always find – I mean, they always, for some reason, have a gigantic line on both lines of scrimmage. They always have linemen. Bell, I mean, they don't, they don't struggle up there they always have a good in your face running game and stuff when they've been good uh so it is going back to the and saying all right we're we're, we're changing the dna here and gonna go back to you know what coach leach had for us and heck it may work uh jeff levy's father-in-law by the way is art Bryles. uh and, and and it's like we're gonna we're gonna sell out and go with that offense and, and more power to them i mean if they want to if they want to run that, great. Um, they need a quarterback. They need this. They need that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm i with you, JB. I think that's kind of um, – I think that's kind of, uh, you know, what the thought process was there uh, and away they go. So so we'll see. It's, um, you know, um, and Jay Diz, Sellers is going to be in a college offense. I don't, I don't know what – anyway, I'm not getting into all that. I, you know, with some of the – some of the some of the transfer stuff and open like college football like head coach openings and and like it. So Will Rogers, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago around here. There's probably going to be a big time quarterback transferring in the SEC. If anybody's paid attention, you probably all know who that is by now. But like, had he um, had he chosen to stay, you know, I mean, he can still stay. He doesn't have to leave. But, like, would Jeff Lebby fit what Will Rogers is after? Will Rogers wants to play in a little bit more of a of a pro-style, quote-unquote, pro-style offense. Um, you know, you've got, you've got a bunch of other head coach positions out there. Like, look in, the, look in the Mountain West, JC. Think about this for a second. Brady Hoke retired. San Diego State. That, that's a good job, the San Diego State job. The Boise State Boise State's in the Mountain West Championship this weekend at seven and five, and they without a coach. They fired their head coach and went to the title game. I mean, come on, you know, uh, factor in the computer models. I mean, that's weird. That was weird. Did they get rid of their head coach? Oh, they're up plus one. (laughs) Yeah, Andy's gone. Okay, you're in. Um, New Mexico, you know, that's still open. Obviously, the the, uh, SEC jobs are are full. uh, Oregon State, uh, Jonathan Smith is leaving for Michigan State, right? So you got Oregon State. I didn't there. like Syracuse that. Is open. Yeah, that um, was. Odd. No, I didn't either. 
He's better than that. I think he is. Think he I think he is, else. and I think leaving um, your alma mater like that at this time. I mean, I guess money talks. Mm-hmm. You got to take care of your family, but I mean, Michigan State. Ah. Yeah, I'm sure he's got... making to take care of his family out. <laughs> right. I mean, they're probably paying him. I mean, they've they've yeah. got money there, but I just and you've got you've got Syracuse, you got Duke, you got Indiana. Houston is a sneaky good job now. It's in the Big 12. It's going to pay you a little bit of money. Uh, ULM fired Terry Bowden, so that's open. And then um, is there any more? No, none of that I know of. Houston um, Houston is U- a good U-tap, job. U-tap, and with the, U-tap, with U-tap, the Big, with the big 12, U-tap, yeah, with the doing like it's doing. Uh, and, and Oklahoma, Texas, although they haven't been the two best teams in the league consistently lately uh they're kind of taking the lid off and so there's all kinds of like upward ability in that league you're adding the western teams into i mean look arizona had a great year this year jed fish was up for some jobs i think a&m had him on his in their crosshairs but uh you know any school in that league though if you look at the resources and you kind of look at history and have they been there before and all that any school in that league could end up rising to the top. I mean, it's wide open. So Houston, with their resources and the money they have, and they do, they they are a. a I know they used to be a Group of Five. Now they're they're they've got money. Philman Fertitta, look him up. He's he's one of their big uh, boosters. Tillman for Tillman Fertitta, my name, not Philman. Tillman, yeah, Tillman Fertitta. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it it could be a sleeping giant for the right person to go in there and take the job, and and they'll go they'll swing big. Um, just like when they hired Dana Holgerson, they'll, they'll swing big. I, I think Dana sort of lost his magic a little bit, uh, to be truthful. Yeah. They, never really got it going at Houston uh, like he did at West Virginia. But, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens. But, well, and, the, uh, and that and that Duke job now, that Duke job's a good job right now. Mike Elko is leaving some players. Yeah. And it's, it's a good little job. I mean, you're going to see you're going to see some names come up for that job. And and they probably should. Um, yeah, so I think so, and they they can pay. I mean, they got money at Duke. I mean, they they were gonna they tried to match Elko. I mean, A and M, you can't really. I mean, look, man, A and M's just got an abundance of it. It's a it's a temptress of a job right. because they've never won. I mean, they haven't. A and M hasn't uh, sniffed a national. Maybe he'll be the first to break you know, from the siren song, you, though. I mean, you know, it's like they throw money at it, but where's the results? The type of guy that I he, can, he, I, yeah, he's, he's 46, you know? Young. Yeah. I can make the argument right now. And it, Phil, we got one more quick break, right? Yeah, yeah we got to grab one yeah, more. Okay. Right, yeah, I can make the argument right now, and then we'll go to break, and we'll finish this when we get back, that Duke and Houston are the best jobs open in college football. Pick one or the other for whatever reason you want to pick. But let's step aside because we got to hit this. We got to pay bills. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned 
Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin and Rescues and Resin. My company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina. And we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Final quick segment here, but good news. We've got four more days this week, and then we have five the next week, and then five the next week. You know how it works. Five-day work weeks. Uh, what's the better job, Phil? I'll start with you. Houston or Duke? Oh, let's see. I like Houston. I think the, the, the Big 12 is, like, essentially wide open at this point to make some good moves. And I think if you play the portal right and can throw some money behind it, then you can really set yourself up towards the top of that conference in, in a small amount of time. What do you think, JC? I like Houston better, too, uh, as a job, just because it's you don't have to battle the academics. You just about any, I think you can get in there with a driver's license. <laughs> Uh, it's not, it's not a powerhouse academically. Um, the city of Houston puts out so much town surrounding the Metro area. Uh, you've got Texas to recruit to. Now you have the big 12 to recruit to, you get the right guy in there and the ceiling is higher. Like when Tom Herman was there, if Tom Herman was there coaching with the team he had in this big 12, you know, no Texas, no Oklahoma, they would have been up near the top of the conference, you know, same when, 
Jack Pardee was there running the run and shooting Andre Ware through for 700, 800 yards a game or whatever. Um, it, it's just uh, it's just so much easier to get talent there th- than it is at Duke. Now, Duke uh, is a better job than it once was, I think. I think David Cutcliffe did a lot of good there, getting the facilities up, getting them kind of used to winning some games and not being at the bottom. Uh, but, you know, we talked about Northwestern and, and you know, let's take the, the big four academic schools. Let's take Northwestern, Vandy, Stanford, and Duke. I think Stanford, because of their history and tradition, would be the best job. Uh, I think Vandy would be the worst job. So it's Northwestern or Duke. The only difference there is Northwestern has not only beautiful facilities right on Lake Michigan that they spent money on, they're about to redo their stadium, and it's going to be – it's going to look like a mini Mercedes-Benz. I mean, it's it's going to be badass. I mean, Duke still plays at Wallace Wade, which has history, but not that much. Uh, and Northwestern, honest guys, had had Illinois and my boy Belima not blown it against Iowa, and then sat blew it the next week. Northwestern would have gone to the Big Ten championship game this year. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a little bit of like, hey, screw you, we're going to win anyway. Now you know the the expanded Big Ten and all that. Who knows? But. Uh, so I would I would think Duke would be right there, uh, similar to Northwestern. But I, I would have to go Houston, man. I, that's just me. What do you think, Jamie? You you seem yeah. like you have a different opinion. No, I I, <clears throat> I got to get over this cough. I agree. I think that I, I I would in the in the Big Twelve, like you can go to Houston and. Um, you can get kids in easier. It's easier to – I pretty much agree with everything you said. I mean, the one thing I would say about Duke is that it's like – it probably depends on what type of quality of life you want. Do you want to live in Houston or do you want to live in Durham, you know, where you actually have like a college campus and things I'd go, like that. Yeah, I'd go Durham there. <laughs> I'd be in Durham. I wouldn't want to live in Houston. Uh, but, um, but as far as like <clears throat> this is just a great place for me to coach and make a bunch of money, yeah, I, I, I think that – that Houston would be the one, but you know, each his own. They'll find somebody. They're going to find somebody here pretty soon. Duke is too. Yeah. I think. There. Yeah, I think they'll get it. They could if they if they're smart, they'll make a good hire. I mean, if they're smart, they'd make a good hire. I'd, everybody talks about Jamie Chadwell. If if Chadwell could, if they would think about it, that would be the type of guy because you know you're going to get a certain amount of talent there anyway. Recruiting Texas. It doesn't really matter if you're some ace recruiter or not. You have to be good at evaluation, which he is. Uh, and then you have a system that gives you like a leg up against the rest of that that league. So, I mean, yeah, because like, like I said, I mean, who's the powerhouse in I the don't, Big 12 next year? Utah? Utah? Would that be Yeah, Utah? I mean, that's yeah. – Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Utah? Right. TCU, if they yeah, it, bounce back? Yeah. Everybody see TCU be, yeah. five and seven this it's, year, by the way? The Horn Frogs, five and seven. Right. Everybody see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. Um, it's hard to recover I mean, getting wide open. off in the national championship game. Oh, Clint, I'm definitely... not bad about Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy's great. So. Uh, and Gundy's my He's, yeah. He's 40. We are out of time here. <laughs> 159. He's come after me. <laughs> come I'm 40. I'm a man. 40. Mike Gundy, all all Mike Gundy does is piss people off that aren't fans of his and win. He's in the championship game again. My guy lost to South Alabama at home 33-7.
Yet he's in the championship game. All he does is win, 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 and no matter what. <laughs> hey, don't forget JC and Morgan at uh, 315 today, guys. 315. Four, that's 415 local. That's bad. <laughs> 415 local. So it's 415? Oh. Yes, 315 3. your time. Oh, Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, I got two hours then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still got to go oh. get the kids. Gotcha. <laughs> we will uh, make sure be back Mike tomorrow. Knows that, Phil. Okay. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Continue to recap 23 football season. We got plenty to get to. Hoops and all kinds of stuff. Hale will be here tomorrow. Mike Morgan will be here tomorrow. Get Mike's 10,000-foot view of the entire 12-game schedule South Carolina play this year. I'm probably going to be off tomorrow, by the way. I'm going to do Wednesday. I have my one day off tomorrow. Oh, you're just throwing that on us the day before. I have my reasons. I will figure it out. But I want to let the audience know because the numbers go up when I'm not on. That's true. (laughs) They do, actually. Thanks to John Whittle and Pat DeMarco, and always thanks to all of you. JC, Mad Dog, myself. See you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.